Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yes, what I guess we've got a midfield dynamo. No talking about myself, Stuart McCall. How are you doing, Stuart? Good, Paul, thank you. Thanks very much for coming on. No bother. I must say, I've admired the Barnet fair far for years. <laughs> There's one question I wanted to ask you. Was it modelled on the women of Easterhouse in the 1990s? <laughs> <laughs> I was actually born with this. I, I, came, I came out with a mullet and... Uh, I think in the last 50 years it's been in, in fashion for a couple of, couple of years throughout that 50 year but no it's uh, I think people who haven't got hair are jealous of it ah, it's, belt, it's a belter <laughs> what, do you, what do you put in is it mousse <laughs> no. hot water and that's it uh, no. is it what boil the kettle <laughs> <laughs> right on an old career mate born in, born in Leeds to mm. Scottish parents uh, despite growing up there always identify Scottish okay yeah yeah. that'd be okay there oh, can you just prove that no I, Listen, my dad always said, because I was, my eldest brother was born in uh, in Hamilton, um, my sister Blackpool and myself in Leeds, because my dad played as a as a professional years ago, and he always said they only had a, a little old mini, and the roads and then what they are now, and he couldn't get up the road, because I always say, why didn't you get me born in Scotland? He says, they started off, but I uh, couldn't get up. So, <laughs> born in Leeds, I, um, but yeah, from, from anything, Jockey Wilson at darts, Alan Wells at running, Anything, um, it was always Scotland, yeah. Uh-huh. What, what was your team growing up? Uh, yeah, believe it or not, kiss the badge and all that. Uh, thankfully, I've got it in, in black and white when I was under-13s at Pudsey Juniors. Favourite player, Tony Curry, Leeds United at the time. Right. Um, totally different to myself. Tony was bags of ability. And favourite team, Glasgow Rangers. So, um, and where did the Rangers come from, your dad? No, not really. No, my dad was just a football man. Um, yeah, Hamilton Ackies was probably my dad's team because he was born and bred in Hamilton. Um, for me, cousins and uh, my uncles, you know, they were all, you know, Rangers supporters. Um, so it, it came from that side of the family. Did you ever get up to watch Rangers when you were a kid? Yeah, believe it or not. Um, first, first game, I remember getting on the uh, supporters bus at, uh, in Hamilton. And then, I don't know if they do it these days, they did a sweep for the first goal scorer. So I draw out Rangers 9. Brilliant, big Colin Steen it was. Uh, cousin Billy draws out Rangers 2 Sandy Jardine at the time it was Dundee at home I remember I think it was only 11-12 can't remember got the game blah 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 
Big Collinstein goes through round one, rounds a keeper, just about empty net. Boy sizes him down, penalty kick. But I'm still thinking, centre forward, shortly takes a penalty kick. Up steps Andy Jardine, <laughs> don't he? Puts it in the top bin, cousins jumping all over me. Most of you won. Uh, listen, in them days, I don't know who it was, but I, I was laughing at him. Right back, you've no chance. And then Sandy steps up and bangs it in. Um, so that was one of my early memories. Every time I, I used to come out every school holiday, um, and if Rangers were away, I used to go to the Aki's games, and if I could get a ticket for the Rangers games at home, I used to go there. Brilliant. Uh, as you said, your dad Andy was a player. Mm. Any good? Um, again, totally different to myself. He had the ability. Um, <laughs> he was. I've got to say, when when I was born, he'd finished by then, you know. But he was. He played with Matthews and Morrison at Blackpool. He had a good career yeah, well. in the fifties and went to Leeds and played with um, John Charles and Jack Charlton, people like that. Um, but yeah, no, I think you know, looking back when. You know, he'd finished his career when I when I was born. I was I think I was a mistake, if I'm honest. But uh, my mum says always a good mistake. But uh, yeah, he, he was yeah he made a, a good career out of it. I won't say a good living because in them days I think you know I think when he was at Blackpool playing with Matthews and Morrison in the summer he used to work at Blackpool Pleasure Beach. Imagine Did the donkey <laughs> doing a big wheel. Honestly, Did he, yeah? yes, it just shows in them days he used to jump on a tram and go to the games with all the supporters. Wow. Can you imagine that nowadays? We uh, did that at Peterhead. Uh, yeah. We do it away games, we travel with supporters. Ah. I got fucking dogs abuse after the game, so I've had a nightmare. Um, <laughs> Every game. No, <laughs> um, was it your dad that got you the bug then? To be honest, all my family, mum, dad, brother, sister, um, they're all sporty. So I used to go to all, all the games with my dad as a you know as a wee boy and played from an early age. So it was just all family oriented with, with football, sports minded. Hey, I, I know you, I said you got a big brother. Who, who was a better player? Um, probably him. Was he really? <laughs> yeah. No, I, 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 I was 20 years older than me, so, but I used to go watch him and my brother-in-law, Alan, play Saturdays and Sundays. Um, but no, they, they, were, they were defenders. They could just head and kick it, you know what I mean? Not interested in that. They would never get on this show. Um, came to the youth system at Bradford. Well, what, what were they days like as an apprentice back then? Yeah, brilliant. To be honest, I, I used to play for a side in um, under-16s, last year of school. And everyone else had been taken on. Four boys had been taken on Leeds, two at Arsenal, two at Huddersfield. And I'd have been taken on. We played Bradford youth team. And uh, I think it was a case of who, who's available, who's not been taken on. Oh, the wee gingerhead boy in the middle of the park who's, you know, four foot six and Kicking weighs eight stone. Hopeless I was. And uh, anyway, they took me for a trial. So I wasn't there through the ranks. I went at 16. Oh, so I'm not right, okay. yet. 16 to 18. And in them days, was two apprentices. We had to do everything, clean the baths, 32 pair of boots I did every day, did the dugouts, did the pitch, divoted the park, everything. Just got there at eight in the morning, left at six. It was a proper, you'd loved, the good thing, because there's only two apprentices, we trained with the first team, so you're right into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the jobs and everything, which, which the boys don't do nowadays. Did you enjoy doing the jobs? I did. I took a pride in, I had 32 pair of boots to do each day. And I used to take a pride. I mean, it wasn't the greatest mug to look at, but I used to shine them. That, that I could see my, my mug in the, in the boots. You know, it was some of the boots were brilliant. I used to get, take a pride in it, and that, that, I think that was. It's all about standards, and you'd be known if you know. And then some people that won't give you great tips at Christmas. You always used to leave a little bit of not polish. Yeah, <laughs> didn't polish them as well as I would do the other ones that give you a tenner and that. Uh, I always ask everyone uh, your debut. You remember it well. I do, I, yeah, because I played it, uh, played it right back against Reading, first game of the season. Bradford, Division 3, it was in them in the old days. We beat Reading 3 2. Um, 5,001 there. Uh, 5,001. Yeah, 5,001. And did you know you were going to play before the game, or was it just. I, I did, because I think all the right backs had injuries, flu, viruses, and I was a midfield player. 
and it was Roy McFarlane at the time, you know, great England yeah. international. Um, and he put me right back and I had a couple of games there, then I got brought out of the team. But um, yeah, I remember it well, nice to start with the victory. Was, uh, was there anyone who, who really took you under their wing and, and on the opposite side, was there anyone who was really, really hard on you uh, as a young kid? No, I, I think, listen, I think it was lucky at Bradford because we were, we were in the bottom division um, when I went there, Division 4. And it was an old Scottish man, George Mulhall. Uh, and Labby Robertson, the coach, both Scottish, and I think they took to me, you know, because I, me- I remember we were, uh, well, I remember when it was a, a, year, a, a week before my 16th birthday, my mum had to go see and speak to him to see if they could sign the forms for a two-year deal. And I, it was 20 quid then, and my mum were getting 15 quid for, for lodgings and things like that. Um, and I wasn't, I was happy, but I was thinking, you know, all my pals had gone to Leeds, and anyway, mum had gone in with, with the, George in the office, it was a testimonial game that night. A couple of wee drams, you know, talked about Scotland, next minute I've come out of sign for two years, I didn't even know. <laughs> my mum had signed me forms and that's it. So, um, yeah, two years there. And then Roy McFarlane came in, who was obviously a, really a great, great player for England and uh, um, top international. So he always had an influence with his standards that he set. And then Trevor Terry and Terry Orrith come in, again, both internationals. So at that low level, we were fortunate to be coached and managed by not so much great players, which they were, but people that, re- what it was like to be a professional, you know, do the right things. And I think that's what a lot of football is about. You can have all the ability in the world, but if you haven't got the, the desire and the determination, I always, I always said, and I've done it many years as a manager, it's easier to release boys who've got the skill, but haven't got the will and don't want to go that extra yard. And it's harder when there's somebody, you see a kid who gives absolutely everything to be a professional, but you just know he's not going to be good enough for that level. But in the main, in the majority of times, I've seen people go who've had all the ability in the world. It's no good having the ability if you've no got the heart and if you know the dedication, for me. You can have all the ability in the world, um, but they'll drift out of the game. The lads that'll do everything to be a player might not have the greatest ability. You can always work on your technique and that. You can't work on your desire. Um, you'll always see them making a living out of it. It's mad how many like, guys who've done, who had top careers like yourself and the, the main thing is the hard work. The mm. Ability is not a big thing, it's the hard work. It's no, mad. even now, so I'll be honest, you look at players and somebody said, he's got everything. I says, well, has he? Oh, he got left foot, right foot, big, strong, can run, do this. Yeah, but has he got everything? What do you mean? Has he got that desire? Does he want to be a player? You know, that's not everything. If you've not got heart and you've not got the desire to do it and the, the determination, for me, um, you know, you won't be a top player. You look at all the top players throughout, going back years, starting off with, I remember Keegan. Keegan was a probably an average player going back years. People probably wanted, you sure remember Kevin Keegan. Was he an average player? He was probably an average player, yeah. but his work ethic and his desire got him to a level where he was a top-class player. And if he didn't have had that desire originally, he wouldn't have got that far. There you go, young kids watching this, top manager, top player telling you, desire. Mm. Playing in the lower leagues, how crucial was that to your development as well? Did it toughen you up? Yeah. I've played I, I, in them, they're tough, aren't they? Aye, but I think the good thing is, well, I, I think, like I say, four of the boys joined Leeds United at the time. Leeds United were in Division 1, which is the Premier League now, and we were at Bradford in the fourth division. Three years later, the five or six guys that joined Leeds were all out of the game. I went in at Bradford, bottom of lowest of lows, and got me opportunity because they didn't have a big squad. You were training with the first team, you were right in it, and you had to grow up. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was like a little boy and six stone ago. Um, and it was, yeah, it, it toughens you up and you get on with it and it was a, a great learning curve for me and I got, I got to play man's football rather than being, oh, I'm at Leeds United but 
I'm playing juniors, I'm playing reserves. You're just thrown right in, and that was. Uh-huh. Sorry to keep asking you about these days as well, but you think that's important as well, just to play games as young as you yeah, can, first team games? Definitely. You know, it, it's all right playing all these, we'll go back to England, 20s games or 23 games, development games, and you're learning this and learning that. Get out and play some games. Go and see. Go, you train all week to, to go to want to play on a Saturday or a Tuesday, whatever it may, where the result matters. No disrespect, the development games or whatever. Yeah, your development is through the week getting coached. That's where you're developing. Go and play games where where the result matters, where it actually means something to win a game. Or if you're winning 1-0 with a couple of minutes to go, you'll learn how to manage the game and win the game, even at a young age. You know, go and do the things. And I think you only get that way with, with football, competitive football. Brilliant. Uh, you won a Division Three in 1985, and then the Bradford Fire on the day of the handover. How tough was that for the city and yourself? Obviously, I think your, your dad was injured in it as well, wasn't he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Horrendous. I mean, you know, you never like going, going back in days. But yeah, it was. A, I had eight or nine of my family there. Um, and unfortunately, you know, my dad got um, badly burnt. I think 20, 22%, 23% burns. Um, and, you know, the aftermath after it, well, you're trying to find people and make sure they're okay and that. And, you know, I ended up finding out my dad was at Wakefield, Pinderfields, not in Bradford. Bradford had three big hospitals where all the injured were going. Um, but I found out my dad was at Wakefield, but that's where this, you know, the more serious burn, burns had gone. So I still had my kit on, me and my brother. He drove me to, to, to Wakefield, Pinderfields. Um, and he says, yeah, we're just tidying your dad up, sorting him out, you better see him. So we walked down the, walked down the corridor and the nurse just stopped and says, hey, there's your dad. And I automatically just looked at this bed here and the guy in it had big bubbles on his face and, and, and I didn't recognise him and I just sort of collapsed and screamed. And the nurse grabbed me and says, no, this is your dad here. And my dad was at this side of the bed and he had all creams and things on his face and bandages on his head and his hands. He had skin grafts. He was going to have to have skin grafts. Um, but at least I could recognise him and he knew who I was, you know, and it was, oh, that, that you know, split few seconds from thinking... Dad's unrecognisable to, you know. So anyway, me, me, he came out of it. I think mentally was as bad as anything. He had skin grafts on him, and he, he always joked. Oh, he, you know, he's passed away now, my dad. But he, he used to joke to me. I used to go see him every day. Every day I used to go visit him at two o'clock after training, and then at night time. And the one day I didn't go visit him, um, Princess Di came to visit, uh, and she really? went to it. Yeah, came in the helicopter, landed on the grounds, all hush hush, and went round all the. You know, I think they had eight or nine people there who'd been severely burnt, and the families had met other families. And I went in that day, and my dad's got a big smiley face. Just met Princess Di. She said, get away. She says, I'm fine. So you could have been a prince. Oh, Bonnie yeah, Prince Charlie. Yeah. <laughs> if you'd have met her, no doubt. Uh, see, after that in- incident, did you establish a, a special bond with the club? Uh? Yeah, I think everyone did, to be honest. I certainly did. I think from that onwards, nearly... Well, for the, for the next few weeks, we're going to... You know, funerals, um, uh, fundraisers for the Burns unit, and yeah, and the, and the bond between the, certainly the people that were involved that day in the club will always remain. It'll never be forgotten. I always go to the memorial every every year um, on the 11th of May, um, and yeah, it's it's certainly you know that made it my club then. Mm. If you know, it's always a club that I've held closest to my heart. Was that incident as well probably why you stayed at Bradford a bit longer? Yeah, yeah. There was interest in for Leeds, wasn't there? Yeah. Well, as a kid, um, obviously being born, I was I was uh, born 
I lived for a year, a corner kick away from Ellen Road. Dad used to play there. They had a big contingent of Scottish you know, players, Billy Bremner, Peter Lorimer, Eddie Gray, George Jordan, Gordon McQueen, David Harvey. So I used to go to Leeds home and away, I followed them. And obviously Leeds and Bradford, there weren't any real rivalry then because Leeds were like top of Division 1 and Bradford were in the fourth division. But anyway, as we, we got on, we, 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 uh, and after the fire, we played at, um, we played at Oddsall, the rugby ground at Bradford for a year while it was developing, and we played Leeds. And uh, I was injured at the time. And at half-time, all of a sudden there was a big, and there was a big chip van. And the Leeds fans had kicked it down the terrace because it was a big open terrace. And it had landed and <clears throat> big black smoke everywhere. And it just brought the horrendous, you know, memories for everyone. Bradford fans in the main stand of what had happened 12 months earlier. And the Leeds fans came on the pitch. Bradford were beating them 2-0. And it was like hooligan element. And from that day, and it, incredibly enough, of all the thousands of Leeds supporters there, the lad that had done it was a little lad I used to go to school with. It was, yeah, yeah, and he was a little arse, if I'm honest. Yeah, he, was, he wasn't a football fan, he was just there. And they kicked, rampaged his chip van, it gone over him, exploded in flames. And from that day on, you know, I could never go and play for Leeds in my head. You know what I mean? Even though I supported Leeds all my life, it'd been like being disloyal, you know, to the people of Bradford. And I had a chance at Bradford when Billy Bremner was manager, who I used to watch as a kid. He wanted to sign me, I went to Everton, um, wanted to sign me. And then even when I was at Rangers, Howard Wilkinson was at Leeds, so three times I had a chance to sign for, you know, the team as a, uh, I used to follow as a kid, and just through loyalty, decency, uh, I would never have done that to the, the fans of Bradford. If you ever get the Leeds job, we'll cut that bit out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> made captain at Bradford at 21. How, how, how special was that to you after, as you say, everything that had happened? Yeah, I, yeah, it was just a, uh, listen, I, I, everyone was kidding. In them days, you know, it's like something now, it's, it's one thing in football, I think leadership is lacking. Yeah. You know, you, you, from all the clubs I played, I was lucky enough to play at some, you know, top clubs. You always had six, seven lads that you'd look around, could be captains, were leaders. Nowadays, whether it's been through academy and you don't get responsibility put on you, I don't know. But even at the top clubs now, you know, you look at maybe Celtic, you take Scott Brown out of Celtic or whatever. when he's not playing. Yeah, yeah. you know, where, where are the leaders? Even at the top clubs. I was at a thing with Pep Guardiola the other week, a Q&A with a lot of the, the top managers um, were there, and he was actually saying the same thing. Even though he's got Vincent Company there, he says from his day growing up at Barcelona, the lack of leaders in the game, and I've found that for probably a dozen, a dozen years now, and it, whether they, they're not getting brought up differently, but again, this academy, the mollycoddling, mollycoddling, they, they you get everything put to you and given to you, and you don't maybe have to fight that little bit for you as, as much at the top level. And uh, I just think, because the responsibility is sometimes taken out of the player. Every bit, everything's done for you, even you, you know, whatever it may be. And I think the the, the lack of leadership is uh, is key. But yeah, to be to be captain at twenty one was great. But it was just just got on with it. Got on with it, wasn't it? But see what you're saying, all, all this stuff about modern day football. See if you yeah. went in at a club and you got you were promised say five or six years, would you go back to the old ways? Yeah, I mean, them days are gone for nothing. Is that why as well, do you think? Because managers don't yeah. get as long. I'll be honest, you know, even even the last job was at Scunthorpe, people come to me and say, oh, I've got a great kid at the under-16s and next year we're having an under-23s and I've gone to have a look at a couple of lads and think, yeah, bring them in. But really, you know you're only going to get. I think the, the, the average span of a manager is 11 months down there at the minute, you know, and it's, it's a season. So why are you thinking about kids that are coming through? Now, if you could know, I know it's a results-based industry, but if you know you're going to have three years or five years, whatever it may be, three years, you can then actually put things in place 
to get the kids and put some markers down. This is how you want to be. Listen, first of all, your work, your technique, your everything, football. You're there to be a footballer. You're not there to be a groundsman. You're not there to be a boot cleaner. But you also need responsibilities and learn. Listen, this is you've got to do these things sometimes. Um, and respect, I think respect's huge. Yeah. Okay, great. Uh, went to Everton. Why did you feel, why Everton? And why did you feel it was the right time to go? Oh, well, listen, I've been at Bradford from 16 to 24. And I, believe it or not, 21, I think Sir Alex and Archie had come down to watch me at Bradford no Halifax when they were at Aberdeen. Right. Um, then there was, I've got, I've got the paper cuttings. David here offered 100 grand when he was at Celtic. So Did I could he, right? Aye, aye, could have been the green and white hoop. <laughs> Not. Uh, and then, so all along, I'd, I'd got linked with Liverpool, linked with Arsenal, linked, and it, because of what had happened at Bradford, I always felt another year, we can get promoted another year. Anyway, went into the final year. Um, me and John Hendry, um, uh, he's from Kirk and Tillett, right enough, John. Right. He, uh, we were both contracts were up, we were going to leave. Chairman says, "Why? Listen, end of season three. Let's go out with Magaluf. Have a, you know, we'll say farewell to you. So we go out with Magaluf, right? Couple of beers, couple of putting drinks. And next minute, me and John, without knowing, had signed an extra year's contract. You know, no for chance. a point. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we said, you know what? We'll give it another year. And it was the first year the playoffs came in down in England, and uh, Middlesbrough beat us. We got to the playoffs. Bradford got to the playoffs, and Middlesbrough beat us. Because my uh, what I wanted to do, my ambition." was to play at top level with Bradford. It was always to play at top level, but if I could have done it with Bradford. Anyway, um, Colin Harvey was in the stands that night against Middlesbrough. Um, so it wasn't me desperate to leave. I'd been at Bradford for eight years. I could have left after four years, five years, six years, seven years. I wanted just to stay and give it one crack. Everton, just a great club at the time and um, great players. So it was a no-brainer. How big a club is Everton? Yeah, huge. It is. And, you know, it was disappointing because it was side that the team was just breaking up after having a successful seasons when I joined there um, but yeah fan base brilliant it's, it's, it's a great club and uh, just wish they could have had a little bit more success Who were the top players in that team that you went to? I, I think everyone was in it national I'd gone from being a, a sort of a big fish in a small ball at Bradford you know to this little fish and I, I, I was in awe really for a long time with Peter big South all in goal Graham Sharp up top Sheedy Ratcliffe wow. You know, they, they, had a, they had a top place, Trevor Stephen. Gary Stephen had just left to come up to, up to Rangers. Um, but they had a, they had a top side. Yeah. A South Hall character, huh? Do you know, I, I think he didn't drink, Nev, believe it or not. Right. You know, he, he, I don't think he could trust himself if he'd had a drink. But yeah, he was a character. He's, and I never thought I'd play with a better goalkeeper because he was unbelievable. The size of him, his frame, he was incredible. But... Later on in life, I think I did play with a better goalie. Well, and you go to my head. Well, I'll take that uh, for later. <laughs> <laughs> what about Peter Reid, Because obviously he was your position. Do you know? England what? international. I, is I, he I, a top man? He was. And people won't remember this because people think of Reid at the time, and, and he was. He was He was a great captain. But this is talk about leadership. So when I went in there, I was playing midfield with him. Actually, going through a bad time, Peter. He just had a dip in form. The crowd were beginning to get turned on him a little bit. But he was coming past me to get on the ball and, and win it and play it and then he'd give it away or whatever and you know but he still wanted the ball and I'm like that I'm th and he's having to go up big sharpie up front for not holding it up and I'm thinking if I were having a dodgy time like he is I'd be hiding but no that's when he showed his leadership and character it wasn't about him as a player he was doing the best for the team and, and they had so many in them days that were, were leaders like that so I learned a lot off Reader because he he would have a, you know, it's easy to play when you're confident. It's like, oh, give me the ball, I can play. He was actually having a bad time. He was going demanding the ball and getting us playing. And I'm thinking, 
a big pair of balls he had to be fair brilliant uh, you made your first Scotland appearance while you were playing there was there any chance he played for England Oh, that's a long story. Go for it. We've got ages. No, no, it's too My missus is working for sure, I'm sure this has been covering Listen, I got called up for England, Scotland, 21s. But both same time. Some day, I've come out Bradford training, get a call, secretary comes, I'm in the bath. Um, secretary comes in, it was a male secretary, by the way, <laughs> before you start. Comes in, he says, oh, great news, you've been called, called up for Scotland on 21s. I fucking hell, you're kidding me. Brilliant, absolutely dream come true. Five minutes later, it comes down, bang, still in the bath. Um, Better news, you've been called up for England 21s. I went, I'm joking. No. Anyway, got a bath, no mo mo mobile phones in them days. You've got, um, she's like, you need to make a decision, it's out there. So Alex Ferguson was a 21 manager at the time. Dave Sexton in England under 21 manager at the time. Both phoning the club, what's your decision? What's I couldn't get hold of my dad, didn't have a mobile phone. My heart and everything on me was Scotland. Spoke to England, uh, spoke to the, the chairman at Bradford. In his eyes, if I play for England, they'll get more money from me when they sell me. Trevor Cherry was a manager, England International. They all pushed me towards England. At that time, in Scotland, they only had one Anglo, Brian McClare. All the other t players for the Scotland national team were Aberdeen, Dundee United, Rangers, Celtic Hearts. Um, and I got f sort of forced to England. I got home that night, little council house in Leeds, me and my mum, phone goes, Mum goes, it's Jock Steen for you, who's a manager of the national no team. Way. I went, hi. I went, hey Jock, how's it hanging, big man? How are you, how are you doing? <laughs> Thinking it was John Hendry. I went, oh, this is Mr. Steen. I went, hi, all right, Jock. Fucking shut the fuck up, John, and get on with it. <laughs> he says, no, Stuart, this is, this is Jock. Honestly, tears started rolling down my face. My phone was like that. Mum thought something like that. I says, really? He went, yeah. He says, I'm just ringing you up. He used to know my dad from Hamilton. I never knew this. My dad had actually wrote Jock a letter to say, there's a wee boy playing in England who's actually Scottish. Um, and obviously... You should have a look at him. Fergie had come to look at me and pick me. And, and do you know, what about that? So he rings me up to say to me, I understand you've made this decision. I just want to wish you all the best for your career. I, I, tears were rolling out of my face. I thought, that's it. I, I was shaking. I says, thanks ever so much. We just put the phone down. I said, mum, that's it. I'm going in in the morning. I'm changing my mind, we're going to Scotland, 100%. It's always what I wanted to do. Go to Scotland. Get up that morning. Pick the kill on. Put, put, <laughs> on. put the papers, pick the papers up. McCall rejects Scotland. McCall is an Englishman. All this, all over the papers. I went in and I said to her, I don't really, I'm not, oh no, you've made your decision now, son, you're English, you're going to. I was like, ah, oh. I, didn't, I didn't say to Jock, I'm changing my mind. I, I, but I thought, what a now, I couldn't imagine Sir Alex ringing me up and saying, oh, wish you all the best <laughs> of your career. It'd have been getty. But I thought, unbelievable. Anyway, cut long story short, I'll go away, I'll go away with uh, England and 20 to Turkey. Um, and most people have heard this story. It's a true story. If you get on in, in, in a qualifying game, that's you, you're English. So I'm a sub. So I'm thinking, like, 45 minutes, maybe get on at half-time. Don't get on, get on. Five minutes to go. Dave Second says, go, get yourself warmed up. I'm thinking, five minutes ago, I'm not going to change the game. I can never change the game anyway, because I wasn't even going goal scorer or anything. Um, I think he's only doing this as insurance policy. Because if I get on a park, that's me. They can forget about me. If I, if I get any better, then they'll pick me. So I go behind the goal to warm up. Tony Cott is shouting at me. You know, the gaffer wants you on. I'm giving him a defeat. No, no. Come on, come on. And actually, coach come round, he's dragging me on. I'm getting into it. I threw my shin pad out. We have no shin pads. Can't get on. The shin pads are giving me. Snap my tie ups. Do everything. I get, there's a picture of me, Dave Sexton got his arm around me with England, England kit, on the park, on the touchline, ready to go on. The referee blows his whistle. I'm thinking he's shot me on. Me, honestly, if you could see my heart was down there, I was absolutely, I, I, and it was a final whistle. And I went, 
It was a biggest, you know, sometimes you talk about luck in your life and in, in football, you know, you have bad luck, good luck. For me, that was just a piece of luck because the referee could have, 30 seconds later, they'd have been on the park. I probably never played for England, you know, the players yeah. in But fortunately, so I came back, never played. England won in the international that night at Turkey. We went and watched a full team 8-0, flying back with Peter Shilton and Mark Knight and Brian Robson and Edie and all that, drinking champagne and everything was great. And I'm thinking there... When I get back tomorrow, I'm changing it. If even I never get picked by Scotland again, I'm going to... So I went back and I said to him, I said, listen, thanks ever so much. Appreciate it going. But my heart is with Scotland. If I never, ever get selected again, it's with Scotland. And then two years later, I got called up as an overage player against England. First cap, <laughs> first cap, England against Gaza down at um, Forest Ground. I think England beats one. Gaza went off after 18 minutes. He went, you're too good for me. No, he didn't. <laughs> I, I think I might have done it. Um, <laughs> Funny, yeah, against and, and, and so did Alex Ferguson speak to you? About, has he ever oh, spoke to you about that? No, well, he spoke to me, Jim, but never, never brought that up. Mentioned no. it, huh? But I felt, but what uh, that just sort of shows you the person Jock Steen was. For him to ring me up and we, not uh, ring me up and go, what the fuck are you thinking of? You know what I mean? What are you doing? You've, Dad's wrote, wrote me a letter saying you want to play for us, but to say, I know it's been a tough decision, son, I wish you all your best in your career. Amazing story, yeah. eh? True. Brilliant, brilliant. Uh, back to Evan. Obviously yeah. playing the Merseyside derbies. Liverpool were brilliant at that time, weren't they? But, <laughs> Just a uh, bit. How do they compare to Celtic like Virginia? Well, to be honest, I've gone for the most friendliest derby. Because you used to go to Wembley, and you'd look in it, we went to Wembley a couple of times with Evan, and uh, the coach would be going by, and you think, is that a Liverpool coach, Evan coach? It's mixed. Would it be mixed, Everton. eh? Oh, mixed, mixed coaches. Uh, in the cop, there was a little place for Everton fans. They had about 100 at, uh, at Goodison, in them days, there was a little place behind the goals for Liverpool fans. You know what I mean? They used yeah, to go watch a game. Imagine that, Reggie yeah. Celtic game. Families were, were split. You know what I mean? One brother would be Liverpool, one would be red, one would be blue. And it went from the most, like, say, friendliest to the probably most ferocious. I remember my first game, um, first old firm going play. I played in 10 Merseyside derbies and won the last one. I played 10, drew five, lost four, whatever it was. And as you say, them days, Used to have a really good wheel and McMahon in Middle Park and enjoy that battle. But up top, they had Rush, Barnes, and Beardsley. Three world class players. Brilliant. So even though the game was really tight, one bit of magic, bang, and you were. So invariably used to be us. Big Gary Gillespie signed for Celtic. I, I signed for Rangers. We'd play together. And I thought, oh, this isn't going to haunt me. Thankfully, first old firm game, Rangers managed to, to win at Parkhead 2 0. And I thought, at least I'd beat the jinx, because Gary used to have one over me all the time. But uh, yeah, the, the, the rivalry there, although obviously ferocious, but most friendly probably Derby in the fact that families could mix. See, because you grew up as a Rangers fan and you knew what they said, like a Rangers Derby was like. Did you find that strange that they were so friendly with each other? Yes, probably. Probably. I, 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 I was surprised that you had the same. I mean, listen, I'm playing Sheffield derbies. It, it, it don't matter. Rangers Celtic, obviously, for, for everything that goes with it, the history and religion and the, all that, that put in the melting pot, massive rivalry from years and years gone back, is probably at its height. Sheffield derby, to Sheffield fans, it's the biggest derby in the world. Leeds, Bradford, West Yorkshire derby, still quite big, yeah. you know what I mean? Liverpool, Everton. So they've all got their own importance, their own supporters. Um, but, yeah, I thought... I thought uh, I was surprised that was the case. But once you get there, you know, as I said, you, you know some families, you'd go and meet people. Oh, you sign as this and blah, blah, blah. And, and, and little lad's got, as long as he got a Liverpool kit on, if he's your boy, oh, it's his mother's side, you know, and you're thinking, imagine having two kids of Rangers and Sally Top on. <laughs> it's not <laughs> Right, on to Rangers. When did you first hear of their interest at Everton? Yeah, believe it or not, um, probably about 
three weeks before Graham left to go to Liverpool. I got a phone call from a journalist um, asking me in the summer, would they have interest coming to sign for Rangers? And again, I'm thinking, it's my mind at this. You don't need to say journalist, Jim White. Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> do you believe it? Do you know what? And to this day, I generally don't know who it was. I, I handle my heart, I okay. don't know who it was. Um, and he, he actually asked me what school I went to. I went to I think what he was basically saying, would I play for Rangers? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> or was he a Celtic man? Um, anyway, I just said, I was happy at Evan. I had three great years. I really enjoyed my time at Evan. But Rangers had been the club if somebody had said as a kid who we wanted to play for. Um, it would have been them. So, and then lo and behold, a couple of, a couple of weeks later, Graham leaves and he goes to uh, and he goes to Liverpool, and then he goes to close season. Don't hear anything. Pre-season starts. Peter Beasley actually joins Everton. Um, I think from Liverpool went pre-season to Austria, and I got a phone call saying it's back on. Trevor Stevens leaving to go to Marseille. His deal's back on because it was a three foreigner rule, and I I was classified as, as Scottish. Even though I was born in England, I was classified as Scotch Club play for Scotland. Um, but again, I'd never heard of Walter Smith. You know, down in England, and didn't know what, who Walter Smith was. So where did Walter been before, just Dundee United? I think so. Right. Yeah, I think he'd come, he come, come with Graham on the, from Dundee United, but I'd never heard. Down in England, well, obviously Graham, as soon as you'd heard, had played, watched. Um, I'd not heard of Walter, um, but still wanted to sign me. So, you know, I, and once I found out Howard Kendall, they wanted money in for Everton. Um, so he was happy for me to go. I had one club happy for me to go and one club wanted me. So it was a no-brainer and it was incredible. See, in the days, would you meet the manager first before you signed? Would he try and sell the club to you or did you not even need that? No, I, I, I remember getting a flight and I thought the flight was... I had to be up for signed by 12 o'clock European deadline Thursday night uh, and I was flying into Edinburgh and there was... There was I remember Howard Kendall ringing me up and uh, I picked the phone up and he says... Uh, and I, he knew, I think he knew and I knew. So we've had a inquiry from Rangers I'm just wondering if you'd like to go oh I, I take it you're in your house at the moment uh, yeah yeah I'm just in the house ding bong the next flight to Glasgow <laughs> <laughs> you know, like uh, uh, sorry what's that what's that so but I was set to come up so I had to get up um, before 12 o'clock as I said and there was, there was delays in flights I said listen it's strange I don't need to speak with anyone I'm looking money we need to sort the contract out I don't, it doesn't matter if it's less money I'm going to play for Rangers, it's right. not because so finances, whatever, speaking to manager, didn't matter. It was a fact that the chance anyway, I flew up to Edinburgh, went in David Murray's big office, Archie had come up and picked me up, um, spoke to David Murray, bang, 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 into Glasgow, I had to get there, Archie drove like an app. Two lanes going into one, and I can see it flashing cones and everything. Two lanes are going into one. Oh, you love it here, Archie. Archie. Next minute cones are getting smashed all over the motorway. I'm thinking, sake, I'm not gonna make a medical here. Nah, it's like that. Anyway, get in, do a medical, thankfully signed Thursday. Thursday evening, signed before the deadline. Play, uh, trained on the park on the Friday. Uh, I think they just beat Queen's Park 6-0 in a cup on the Tuesday. Um, thankfully, I knew, because I've been playing for Scotland, I knew the goalie, I knew um, Coisty, we more. So I knew a few of the players. Training at Ibrox, I'm looking around it. All the coloured seats in them days, remember they had yeah. all the multicoloured seats. I thought this is a dream come true. Go to Hearts. Before it's 45 minutes, I thought, oh, we've played some good stuff. 1-0 down. So when the goalie went, Scott Crabbe's shot, he went, oh, it's going by, yeah, it's going by your hand, Andy, into the back of the fucking net. And it was <laughs> 1-0. So that was 1-0. That was We're going at half-time. I'm thinking, do you know what, Goffey, Gary Stevens have knocked it about well. We've controlled the game. Walter comes in. Well, fuck it. I think I only saw Walter lose it, I don't know, four or five times. But he's gone, he ripped into Goffey, who's a captain. All this fucking mamby pamby passing. He was right, uh -huh. but I've come from Everton where if we'd have controlled the game like that, you'd have been quite happy. 
and we never had a near the glove on him. We got beat 1-0 in the end, and you're thinking, fuck's sake. Um, was he scared? Well, yeah. yeah. Listen, he, he just had... For me, he wasn't about him as a, as a coach, really. Because, um, you know, coaching, it was him as a man-manager, as a person. That I respect more than anything. Yeah. I would, that old saying, you go through brick walls to your manager, well, Walter was one, because he treated you like a person and a man, and you, it was a respect. But I, I, I only fell, in fact, I think I fell out with him twice. Twice in my me, in me, in me seven years that was there. I say fallout, not a major fallout. Never hardly in his office. Um, one time, he, uh, I, I, I got dead like um, one game on the, on the Saturday, Scotland playing on Tuesday night, Craig Brown's first game in Italy. And I was due to sign a new contract. And he says to me, um, he says, right, you can go away with Scotland because he wasn't one for pulling you back. He, he, he liked the lads going away. He says, but if you can't play next Saturday, if you play with a dead leg and it's not right and it's bleeding and all that and you can't play Saturday, you can forget your new contract. I went, right, okay. So I went away and I think, anyway, dead leg, you know what dead leg's like? He's not, off, not a problem, yeah. So Tuesday night, out we go, Italy, I think I'll beat 3-1. Craig Brown's first game. Um, last minute of game, big Dino, bad job, bang, came down my ankle. My ankle's like that. I remember coming through Glasgow Airport, I think I had crutches, he won that, but I had to keep weight off it. Couldn't play on a Saturday. Walter never spoke to me for three months, let alone, I never signed a deal for three months. He says, I told you, you wee bastard, if you come play on Saturday. <laughs> but not to do with me dead leg. Really? And then the last time, we'll go, it was a, the last last season, and we'd had a big change in, in obviously personnel, a lot of foreigners had come in, a lot of Italian lads from everywhere. And the Friday night, we're playing, we're playing Hibs. And uh, on the Friday, we have a meal, pre-match meal on a Friday night. And then looking around the table, and there's no Durante to make the jokes. I think there was three Scottish boys. Me, Gordon Jr., I think Derek McInnes, Charlie Miller might have been there. Big George, you know, there were, there were, there were lots of bit, but all the Italian lads. And we were trying to explain how important this game was tomorrow. Playing Hibs, I'd been out 11 months with my knee prior to it. Anyway, we were just explaining and fucking saying, listen, tomorrow we've got to win this game. Gaffer was getting a bit of stick in the press, you know, we'd been knocked out of the cup, I think, uh, knocked out of Europe. And this is a game, implying, telling them how much it meant to everybody. Coming next day, pre-match meal, gaffer names aside, goes through it, me and Drucky are on the bench. And I'm like that, I can't believe it. So as we go to get out, I think it was a Rutland, big, big hotel, warm day, windows are up. Second, first floor, second floor. So we go out, fucking Archie after everyone, tickets, right, get tickets. Walk out, tickets, I went, no, I don't want anything, tickets. What's his what? If he's, do you want to be sub? I went, no, I don't want to be sub, I want to play. I'm saying that to him. He went, what? He says, do you want to be sub or not? We've got other people who can be sub. No, I don't want to be sub, I want to fucking play. I want to play, I want to start. Why am I not starting? I'm like, yeah. He says, fucking get your ass on the bus. So as I've gone out, big oak door, and got my bag on my shoulder, last one out, I've just pulled the door, but because the windows were open, the door slammed. <laughs> it, was a dual, it was a dual staircase. So I've got my bag and I'm walking down this staircase and I get to the bottom, I look up, next minute Walter's fucking sprinted down the step, he's fucking got hold of me. There's all these Chinese people booking into the hotel, right? <laughs> and Walter's going, get your fucking self attacked and get your fucking ass back to Glasgow. I'm going, no gaffer, I'll be sub. I'll be sub. Please let me be sub. And so did you go sub? So I actually goes, hey, fucking get on the bus, get on the sub. So I walk, get on the bus, my fucking head's down, fucking like that, fucking embarrassed. Comes half time, fucking two one down, two one down at Hibs. Uh, so, can't remember. I think it was Petrich, 
or uh, I think it might have been Begon Petrich. What a memory you've got. Uh, no, but I think Big Pet anyway, got, got injured. So he's fucking, he's ripped, <laughs> ripped into Pet, Petrich, I think, and told him he's coming off and bringing somebody else on. Anyway, Petrich goes to get, get, get in the shower and the one who's, is, Perini's injured, so he has to come back. And then he ends up, he turns around, he says to me, he says, right, you go on to me. This is at half time. I think, I'll fucking show you. I should have been starting. 30 seconds in, fucking the hips have gone 3-1 up. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, no lie, I've, I've gone out there fucking like that. I, I think I, mean, I might even give the ball away again. 3-1 hips. Anyway, fucking bang, Gaza scores from 35 yards. Albert scores from 35 yards. And in the last few minutes, I slipped Negri through and, and we win 4-3. So, that he come in. Next day, Monday, I'm in the gym. No, he's in the gym. He's doing his, his sit-ups and that, and I walk over to him. And I says, Gaffer, listen, he says, if you're going to have a go at me, let me fucking get up first. <laughs> so he stands up, he towers above me. I go, Gaffer, see when you said I could have that day off for this funeral this week, is it all right? He went, aye. He says, I thought you were going to talk to me, but it's just Saturday. I says, no, but you made the right decision in the end of what time. <laughs> but could you have a laugh of his hill in there? Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Good guy. Yeah, but as I said, I know a lot of people. I, I had, I think, two run-ins. They weren't even run-ins. But um, just as a man manager, as a person, the respect that I had for him and always will have was, um, you know, it, it was always there. Brilliant. Uh, the club were three leagues into a nine in a row. See, when you signed, was that spoken about that we're going to get nine in a row, we're going no, to be on there? No, no. Just I, every year trying to win the league? I, I, I think when you get to six, seven, then the fans start singing in the terraces, door and all that. But no, it was, that was never ne- never mentioned, to be honest. But I mean, that, that first season, even the first season, Graham had gone. So that, after the first game against Hearts, it's as if like Walter's now just become manager three games in. He's got to make his impression on his squad. And he, he'd done that. And we get get knocked out by Spark Prague. I remember Spark Prague at home. I scored twice. I only scored twice, three times in my 900 and odd games. I remember going for a, for a meal after it. We, got, we win 2-1, but we get knocked out on, uh, on away goals. And I'm walking down there, thinking Glasgow, been, been for a bite to eat, three Rangers supporters coming up. Oh, yes, we thought we were losing Trevor Stevens a blow, but now we've got a goal-scoring midfielder. <laughs> I'm thinking, fuck it, if you only knew. <laughs> You've been had. 20 goals in about 250 games. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, see, the level of that Rangers team, how did it compare? Uh, obviously, played by a top Everton team with Peter Reid, guys like that. How did it compare? Well, I think if you look at it, um, Gary Stevens had come up to join Rangers. Everton's best fullback had come up to join Rangers. Trevor Steven season before it got voted that Everton's best player was now playing for Rangers. So if Rangers can take Everton's yeah, best, best players, players, then it sort of puts it in perspective. Who else impressed you straight away? Um, big Goffey straight away. Obviously, goalie had just come in. Um, yeah, I mean, you had Coyster, Hartley and Moore up front. You had three top players. Trying to, and it, it started off, it was it was Remo and Big Marker with the front two. And Coyster was always on the bench. Um, He'd have loved that, eh? <laughs> but no, it was just a, a, a good group. And, and so we get beat in the Europe, we get beat by Hibs in the League Cup, alarm bells, oh, is Walter the right man? Everyone was doubting him. And we play we play Celtic uh, at Hamden in the semi-final of Cup. Probably, and I, I would say it, that was the night Walter's team were born. Absolutely lashing down with rain, full house. Um, Archie had said to David Robertson, me, Joe Miller, you know him from the Aberdeen's in get into him early on. He didn't mean by his throat with his studs. <laughs> Red card to Robbo, six minutes into the game. Six minutes into the game. So Celtic with a good side, McStain, middle of the park, running show. We're just on half time, I rubbed Derek White on the halfway line. 
go forward with Square McCoy's 18-yard box in front of Rangers fan bang, 1-0. Second half was an onslaught. The goal, goalie was unbelievable. I think McStay hit the bar from 30 yards. We were played the full game with, with 10 men and we won 1-0. And I think that night enabled us to go on and go on. Because I think if we'd have lost that night, I'm not so sure if Walter's still been there. Could have been there, Could have been there. And I think we looked around in that dressing room and thought, yeah, we've got the we've got the tools, as in the, the, the desire and the, the men that want to go do it. Um, and thankfully, it snowballed after that. Uh, you said the first season was mixed with Europe and stuff like that, mm. but could you have foreseen the success in the second season? <sighs> no, you never can. I remember, I think it was up at Dundee. I think it was wee Dodgy, got a couple of goals. You could beat Dundee 4-3. Again, Walter come in and that was his last into us. Um, and then we went from that, went 44 games unbeaten, 10 games in Europe. Uh, and it, again... Was Europe always a big thing for Walter Smith? Um, I, I don't know, just winning. <laughs> winning yeah, was a big thing. Yeah. I, I think, listen, domestically, just win your league, win your league. Uh, but the, the, the European was... But again, I, I don't, we didn't have a Gascoigne all allowed. We didn't have individual... That was probably our most successful season, 92, 93. Um, and there were no big stars. It was just a, a team, you know, from the from the back right through. It was just lads who you could rely on, and, and we'd get through games where we just through desire and I keep using that word, but effort and guts and you know. And if you've got McCoy and Haley at the top end of the park, you've always got a chance. You got him in goal. Goff as your centre half with, you know, anybody with him. You know, great John Brown, big slim. Um, Middle of the park, and then up top you've got McCoy and Haley. You always got a chance. Uh-huh. How did you feel when you got Leeds in the the champ in the Europe? Well, that, it's funny because obviously Leeds had always been my side as in growing up, um, and there were no there were no tickets. Um, Leeds didn't get any tickets for us. With that. I did a deal with Gary Mack, who was obviously uh, at Leeds at the time, so I got him some tickets for up here, and he got me some from down there. But I think after after the home game. Remember, and I think if you speak with Gordon Strachan and all the leads, it was the loudest, of, standing in a tunnel, it's the loudest noise I've ever heard before you walked out. So we go out, atmosphere is fucking incredible. And typical, of course he never listens. He never listens off the part, he never listens on it, does he? So they've got a corner, first 50 seconds, whatever it was, and I'm sitting with McAllister on the edge of the box. Of course he's sort of just in a bit, he's about 12 yards. He says, aye, aye, okay. Anyway, in, out, McAllister hits on top then. You know, a minute in a game. It's gone from the loudest atmosphere you've ever had at a game. You thought there was a minute silence. It was, it was just absolutely silent. Anyway, we managed to come back, win 2-1. Final whistle goes and it was a bit of a, oh, because we probably could have won 3-4-1 that night. Bear in mind, Leeds had probably had the best midfield that an English side had had in years and years. Yeah, we got Speed, McAllister, yeah. Strachan. And David Batty. David All Batty. All international. So, yeah. Batty in the middle of the park. Stacking on the right, speeding on the left and Gary Mack. So the, the midfield four was, so it was a great challenge, a great battle. Anyway, we go down to Leeds and do what they did to us, which big mark scores in the first minute. We'll go on to win, um, thankfully get through. And then first person in the dressing room was Sir Alex. First person, I don't think he'd ever spoke to Archie after he left, because Archie left to come and join Walter with three games to go. I left my hey, he's, told us, he's interviewed us, he's ah, told us that right, story. Right. And I don't think he'd ever spoke, but anyway, it was first in Sir Alex and he went around all the players, because it was Battle of Britain. You know what I mean? He says, oh, I believe you're staying in Manchester tonight. Have a great night. I thought, right, we certainly will. We'll come to that because McCoy's told us that story as well. Uh, That'd be a lie. <laughs> did you feel like you've been written off because they were like, yeah. your champions at home? Did you use that? Yeah, I, listen, I didn't, because obviously, I, I remember my dad coming down to training the night before and he brought a couple of papers for us and it was it was a local paper and he, he was saying, you know, look, they've gone and asked all the, the Scottish Leeds players 
Billy Brim there, I mean, I say Pete Lorimer, Eddie Gray, people like that. And a lot of them were saying, it's not the fact that Leeds will go through, it's by how many. It's with that, you know, Leeds are that wow. far ahead of them. You know, and it, it, it wasn't just them, but it was everybody. That was a consensus in England, all the press. It wasn't, you know, will Leeds go through? It was, I wonder who we're going to get next. We'll, we'll, beat, we'll take three or four off Rangers. In the end, to be fair, even though we won two, one Cantona scored for them later on. Wow, what a the team go- they had, eh? Aye, the goalie was, the goalie was top draw. Um, but, 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 yeah, we got through. And let's say, you know, to have to Alex come in at, and go around everyone was, was brilliant. It was, it was some night. Was Strachan chirpy on the pitch? Uh, I can't, do you know so I can't remember. I'll have a word with him here. All I can No, he, um, oh, listen, he was a, he was a top player. Uh, he was a top. So was Gary Martin, Gary Speed. They, they were the, the midfield four. There was probably the best midfield four as a as a, as a quartet that you ever played. See, with. when you were playing top players, was it always your thing to smash them early? No. Well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Some top players you couldn't get near, but uh, nah, listen, you go out with that. Normally, you'll know. If you're playing against a player who's better than you, and if he's on his top game, you've got to get about him, you've got to affect him. Mm. And, and you've got to do it whatever way you do it. But I just, listen, you just... I never, I never used to put too much on the opposition. I just thought, listen, as a player, be the best I can be. If I can be very, very good or be effective, not being good, because I could pass it out of the park as good as anyone. You know what I mean? It was throw into Rangers, throw it goes to McCall, throw into opposition, you know what I mean? I could, I could pass it out of the park with the best of them, don't worry about that. But it was just a, you know, just, just be the best you can be in every game, make, make it everything to you. Right, Walter Smith sets a 9.30 deadline. And you miss it. No, I don't miss it, because he's talking. That's I'll tell you two story about that, right. So, <clears throat> we're flying from Manchester the next day. So, where, where are we going? We're going night out in Manchester. Well, as Rangers Celtic rivalry, Manchester United and Leeds, even though there's, I don't know, 40 odd miles between them, hate is massive down there. They hate each other. So, we're going to Manchester. We imagine we go out, we go to this private club, VIPs. We're getting treated like kings because we beat Leeds. We've not Leeds out of Europe. Bang, drinks are flowing. Great. Who's pouring them, Sir Alex? Uh, no, he was there. No, it was just all. And it was a good crack, anyway, yeah. you can imagine. Anyway, get, get, I'm room with Dale Gordon, get back, hotel up to my room, go in, can't even get through the door, Bomber's two pals are lying there, Paul Axe, I think Durante's brother and his pals there. Dale, I, there was no room, so I come back down the steps, down the, down the lift, to go and see if there's a spare room for a few hours, Kip. And who's there? Big David Dodds, big armchair, cigar, I love that. ice bucket, champagne. I thought, well, it's rude to let him drink on his own. It's not fair, is it? You know what I mean? He can't let him drink on his own. Anyway, that night, me and Dodgy made his own language up, Swahili, I think it was. And we, we must have just gone into a little bit of a, a sleep. And next minute, I remember this, ding! Can lift doors, like that, lift doors open. There's a the gaffer. Can Rangers, shirt, tie, immaculate as always. Bag, look at it, says, can bus leaves in 15 minutes, make sure you're on it. We've got a big game Saturday. And I've gone, I said, Gaffer, he's walking away. Gaffer, he's turning, he's only Selick. <laughs> that was up because he's done. And he, he's, he just looked at me, and it, honestly, it's probably the best way to sober up if yeah. the Gaffer stares at you. Quickly up, showered, bang. I didn't miss the bus at all. Back on the bus, up the road, we play Celtic, away, Parkhead, 12 30 kickoff. And I think we still had alcohol, even though it's it was only Tuesday night. Yeah. Oh, he's still sobering up. <laughs> and uh, he'd go out, and Celtic battered us that day. And we Durante came up as he always did in big games with great goals, and we won one 0 So um, yeah, it turned out to be a good. But I didn't miss a bus, 
Um, but we, we had a couple of shandies. This question's not on there, but just when you mentioned Durant, who, who did you enjoy playing next to Rangers most midfield? See, it's, it's, you know, everyone will go, oh, Gaza, brilliant. Albert's fantastic. Um, we Durante, magic. Ian Ferguson. Me and Ferguson in the middle of the park probably thought we were a bit similar, but we knew how to get about the game and how to affect the game. So I, w- I would never say I had a, a, a specific partner. I loved playing with Trevor Stephen when he came into the middle of the park. Big Mikhailichenko, the big workaholic. On- no, it wasn't a workaholic, was alcoholic. it? Alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> on the left. And uh, no, so that's it. Uh, Gaza was obviously brilliant to play alongside. We Gerani was. Ian Ferguson was just as important. That's when we had, you know, the 92 93 season was me and him in the middle of the park for the majority of games. Grafton, uh-huh. um, so no, I. I wouldn't say, but yeah, Durante, what Durante did, he always turned up in big games. You know, you look at the goals he's got in big games. Goal, uh, right, Marseille. 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 Mar controversy. Uh, the rumours are match-fixing. Did the players, did they talk about that? No, no, not to be honest. No, I did. listen, we went to Marseille and we knew it was a winner-take-all. If we'd have won their fifth game into the group of six, we drew one each. Again, we Durante got a brilliant goal. We missed Big Hayley. He got sent off against Bruges in the game before. But we get a credible one each, think nothing of it, come back. Last game, we're at home to uh, CSK. Um, and Marseille at Bruges. Marseille won the game anyway, they beat Bruges. But we had to beat their result. All I can remember about the game, well, a couple of things, is we draw 0-0. Final whistle goes. goes. It was this CSK had won the World Cup. Their players. So it's only afterwards when you think that, I mean, they were finishing bottom of the league. It was the first point in the tournament. They were absolutely jumping. The coaches are running on. They're celebrating like... They've got through, and yet they've won a point. And it, it didn't click with me then, but when you hear the stories after, you think, I wonder if there's more to it than that. I don't, I don't go in for, I don't know what happened, I, I'm, I'm not into all that, but I do remember, I remember and I remember us going round, the lap of honour, Goffey was swathed in bandaging blood, the big Terry Butcher look, and the fans were incredible, because I think they realised, we give everything we had. And even if we'd have won the game, because uh, Marseille had won in Bruges, it wouldn't have mattered, but just looking back, that was probably the thing that, I would go, do you know what? They were probably getting more, more than a point. They were probably being... Because Trevor Stephen had joined from Marseille. Yeah, did, he, did he tell you about anything that was going on no, before? No, no, to be honest, no. I've never heard any stories of that. It was only after it all came out. Because Hately said in the second leg he was offered a bribe not to play. He did that, yeah. Did that come out at the time? Yeah. We used to offer big mark bribes not to play sometimes. <laughs> so. But he's drew uh, one each. Was there, was there any suspicion like the ref for that? that no, no, I can remember. No, I've got to be honest. No, it was a... Uh, listen... It was one of them, you look back and you think, if we'd have won that game, but we, we, it wasn't as though we battered them, we had loads of chances. I think if we'd have had a big mark up front, it might have made a difference. We drew one all, they were a top-class team, they had some internet world-class players. So, um, no, I can't, I can't remember, if I'm honest, there was any debate about anything. Uh, but despite that disappointment, it's still a fantastic season winning the treble, aren't you? Yeah, no, it, was, it, was a, it was some season. As I said, there was a lot of games went to the wire. I, th- I think what we remember most is, well, we used to go behind in a lot of games. But when you had the likes of Coyston Hale up front, you always knew we had goals in the team. And with the spirit we had. And, and once you come back once, you always know, it doesn't matter if you go behind, we'll come back, we'll come back. And I think for the supporters, if, if you can do a treble and if you, you win it, you win the treble, you're the biggest um, rivals his ground, which we did, because Hamden was, was getting redeveloped. So we played, it, right. we played the finals at Celtic Park. So to win there... Um, was special for uh, certainly for the supporters as well, but yeah, it was a, it was an incredible season. The only thing after that is how do you follow that? See, uh, you mentioned Haley and McCoy's quite a lot this season. Midfield, to see if you were not giving them service, would, would they be on you? No, 
getting them with chances I'd set up for McCoy as a kid then. <laughs> no, I mean, funny enough, Coyce, it was only afterwards. Boys used to come into me in the middle of the park and I used to just flick them around the corner. corner. And then one day in training, in fact, it might have been one of these five-a-side games not long ago, he used to say to me, he says, listen, come here, I'm going to do something to you. She says, what is it? Fire the ball in, nick it around the corner. You try controlling them. You know, when the play was... Wait, I this I says, yeah, big... So all them years you've been saying, I've been putting... You've got me in a fucking trap of bag of cement and you're blaming my balls around it. That's what you say. Oh, we ball around the corner, eh? Can we not spin on it? No, can just <laughs> but, get hold of it. Was he good at linking up the coins now? Is it just all about in the box? Yeah, listen, look at his gold record. It's absolutely yeah, incredible. Isn't it? And and before, um, if I missed a chance, I won't go back in box. Coyce had missed a lot of chances, he didn't give him monkeys. Yeah, Bang, back in, take him. Again, big games, incredible. Goals, you know, he used to score, you know, loads. But no, he was, yeah, listen, he wasn't a, he's not going to be a link-up player and all that. He was a goal scorer and he wasn't bad at it. See how you talked about Walter, obviously the scary side and how much you could crack. What would he do to make you feel, like, what was the good sides of, like, man management? Would he make you feel like a million dollars before you went on a pitch? Would he congratulate you? What, what, or was it just... Yeah, no, I just, I just think everything he said, it, it, it's just his aura and his respect when he walked in a room. You know, I'd look, hang on every word, but, you know, in team talks, and just listen intensely to him. And, but would he praise you a lot? Uh, uh, he'd play, praise his favourites. You know, <laughs> and who were they? Uh, well, Golden Boy, obviously. No, it, it, no it, it, listen, it was pretty fair. It was pretty fair. I think Archie, Archie used to have... Thankfully, I, I, think I, I think I was one of Archie's favourite, thankfully, because I think if he weren't, he maybe got, he got pied a little bit, but... Uh, no, they were, they were, and listen, end of the seasons, I mean, you know, I used to end up under the table, but Walter was always on top of the table. He was always there singing and that. And, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, he liked a bit of rock and roll and all that, but yeah, so he was a, listen, you knew he was a gaffer, you know, he, he was a boss and everything, he's, you're bang, but you could also, he'd have a crack with you and, you know, it was, it was respect. Yeah, and you're the best managers, yeah. ones, aren't they? Yeah. Right, the dressing room, we're going to name a few people and just give us a wee bit about them, obviously Andy Gorham. Well, I, I, how long you got? I mean, we got three days of stories here. But I want, for me, everyone always says to me, "Who's your best player you've ever played with? World class player." Obviously, Loudrop, Gascoigne. For me, the one world class player I played with, and that, by that I mean is when I was playing with him, I think he would have gotten a world eleven. Was Andy Gorham, and people go, and I think you go back to that era. Smiker was in goal for Man United at the time. Before Andy had his knee up, he had about eighteen months um, before his knees give way. Um, where he was in training, you know what I mean? It was only me who could beat him in training, even McCoy's and Hartley couldn't beat him, but he was, and, and it didn't matter if you were playing in Champions League games or you were playing at Stranra, if there's a save to make in a top corner, it doesn't matter who's hitting it, it doesn't matter if it's, I don't know, Badgio or if it doesn't matter if it's we drop Brown from around the corner, you still have to pull them saves off, you know? And, and he, he, for me, was one at the time where he was un unbeatable at times. And you only have to ask Celtic players and punters because he must have brought their hearts many times. Uh, I've, uh, I've met him at a couple of charity dudes and he's some character as well, isn't he? He's a character. But that, that dressing room was full of characters. Absolutely full of characters. Was it laughs every day? Yeah, yeah, it was. I, there, was oh, there was some incredible moments. Yeah, there were some great times. I mean, when you, when you look back at it, <clears throat> I think the best... Talk about the goalie there, funny enough. For me... Christmas parties, because, the, the, I mean, the, the, the fancy dress. I mean, Durant and McCoy should spend hours. You actually ditch training in the morning, say they had an injury, so you could get all the makeup, big spock ears, everything. I remember one thing, I'm staying at the motorhouse, Mikhailichenko and Kitznet's off of there, and uh, we come down, my two little ones, bye, daddy, have a good, you know, I'm fancy dress gear, I can't remember what it was, 
Santa Claus might have been that year. But anyway, um, go, get ready, go for a bite to eat, bit of lunch before we go. And of course, always got, we're always going to uh, the boxing with the big gloves. There's always fun things, comedian, karaoke. There was, there was always stuff planned. It was brilliant. And uh, I remember this, like, so we go and we, we get ready to get on the bus at, say, three o'clock on the bus after you've had your food upstairs and the Christmas crackers and a bit of dinner and that. And um, it's no, two Russians are not about. Nowhere. Nowhere. I can't believe it. Anyway, forget all about that. Go home. Wake up that morning. Kids are jumping at me. Daddy, where were you? Where were you? What? nets off. And Mikhailichenko thought the Christmas do was to come, get fancy dress on, go upstairs, eat your lunch and go home. <laughs> That's what they thought of. <laughs> and, um, I, so they've, they've actually come back into the motorhouse. I'm staying at half past two. My kids are there thinking, oh, there's Daddy's friends. Daddy will be home any time. <laughs> Twelve hours later, Daddy yeah. rolls up, can't speak. <laughs> yeah. But that's what them two did. Oh, yeah. So, but I think them times, but the, and the other times, end of season trips, and we went, Durante's testimonial. We, we flew over to uh, Toronto, Canada. Brilliant. And Scotland had a game. So the, the Scottish boys, me, Duke, I think the goalie, there was a few others, went later on. And we flew out from Glasgow. We, Jonathan Watson, was with us. You know, the, the uh, actor. Yeah, well, the, yeah, brilliant. So I'm actually sat next to Jonathan. I'm saying, come on, give us... He says, who's your... F-? I said, Dennis Law. Give me Dennis Law, please. Anyway, you know, five hours later, I had to put Dennis Law to bed. He thought it was Dennis Law. <laughs> it morphed, didn't it, with Jonathan? <laughs> so we, we get we get to over there, Toronto, and we, we go and we have a game of pool and that. And I, I remember the goalie. He was always up to tricks. And uh, next minute, he's, he's going out with Jonathan. Ah, oh, you're a great wee guy. You're a blue-nosed you. Oh, you Jonathan's game. Next minute, oh, yeah. And Jonathan comes up to me and goes, he's looking over. He says, see them people in the bar over there, they're looking at me. He says, I must be big in Canada. They're all laughing at me. And, you know, because he was the impressionist and everything. He says, I might move over there. Because every, every time I look over, people are pointing at me. And I, I says, aye, brilliant. Anyway, he goes to the toilet, comes back. Yeah, bastards. The Gordon had been getting a blue chalk. He'd absolutely, he'd, 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 he was like a wee smurf. It wasn't the blue wells of blue. It was wee Jonathan was blue. His face was just covered in blue chalk. Oh, and he, he, wasn't, he wasn't any wiser. He's, he's going, oh, what? One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone's looking at me. I must be really big in Canada. <laughs> Uh, and then, then the next day, so that that, that was a Gordon was always, but they're always up to pranks. McCoy and Durant at the bar, the, the tequilas. Ah, we Durant a couple of, couple of his, and Coyce's pal. 
just going into this bar. Um, it's just, it's, he's an had a couple of beers. Is it? Ah, you can't drink soup, McCoy. You can't drink soup. Tell you what, tequilas now. Three tequilas, barman. Here. So McCoy said, barman, listen, mate, man, in this water. Right, true. Right. <laughs> Tequila, salt, bang. Right. Squeeze a lemon, whatever you do. Five in. Gerani can't even speak. He's like that. And Coyce doesn't call me, Mum was over here. Just some drink at Coyce. Anyway, so he says, like, listen, wee man, you have mine and I'll take yours. Bang. And Gerani going, yeah, bloody. We've been drinking water all the time. No, it was a there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, just things like that. That's when you get your end of season trips and the, and the Christmas do's for me were, were priceless. Uh, team spirit's massive as well. Of course it is. Uh, uh, right, one of you will be waiting for your favourite Gaza story. Have you got one? Oh, probably, probably most of them have been told. But yeah, this, listen, there's a the couple. The one where um, we had a fine committed at 10 o'clock. If you want him by 10, you got fined. I think it was a fiver every minute after that. And at Rangers, you know, you, you always had to wear a shirt and tie. That was a tradition from years and years gone by. I remember joining Rangers. I'd just signed a new deal at Everton uh, with Nike. And I had, I had uh, two shirts and one tie when I joined Rangers. I, went, I had all this Nike gear to go in. I came Willie one tie for three months. I only had one tie. Oh, so you had to wear a shirt and tie yeah, every, every day? every right, day for okay. training. Hi, every day. Anyway, so we're looking at clockwise. Ten o'clock, Gazza's knowing, Gazza's knowing. Next to me, you this squelch coming down the corridor. Door bursts open. Ten o'clock right on. Last look out, find him. There he is. In a Marnie shirt. Can you go boss tie? Big pair of fishing waders, big pair of welly boots. <laughs> He'd been fishing all morning. But he's there, shirt and tie. So, so, great, we go training. Here we come. I did what I used to do. Not anymore, as you can tell. Went to the gym, come back, go getting ready to pick the kids up. I used to get changed next to Gaza. I actually pleaded with Jimmy Bell, please don't put... I was number three changing. He'd give Gaza number four. So he changed... For three months, he changed next to me. As you can imagine. Anyway, bang, come out of the gym, get ready to go. There's only me left. What's left? A pair of wellies. Pair of fishing waders, he took my gear, took me towels and my shoes, and I had to go pick the kids up. I just put a pair of Ranger shorts on, but he'd left me gear. So that was our. But it, the, the one, I remember we, we played on a Tuesday night, I think it was Aberdeen in the cup, we beat Aberdeen. So we're in the next day on a Wednesday, um, I think it's called a cool down now. In our day, it was to sober up. So, so every, every, everyone's in there, um, and we're going out for the day in the, the afternoon. So it's me, Gaza, um, Jimmy Five Bellies, and we, Gerante. And jump in this this camp. We had, down, we had to go in the, in the, um, the district bar. Geraint needed to drop a couple of tickets off for the game on Saturday. So we go in, it was quite busy, it was like one o'clock. We go in, quick pint, Gaza gets mobbed as he always does, you know. And, uh, anyway, the bird behind the bar says, Oh, Gaza, lovely, can I, I love your top, can I get your top? The girl had the Rangers t shirt on, Blue Rangers t shirt with the crest. Gaza went, typical Gaza, because he'd do anything for anyone. He says, Yeah, you can have my shirt as long as I can get yours. So off they come. Gaza's big boobs, the bird's big boobs, you know what I mean? Swap shirts. <laughs> Gaza puts it, the the t-shirt on. Right, drop the ticket, have a pint, back into town. Run in there. It's that smell. You if you let one go, turn on it in front. Gaza the t-shirt. Oh, I think the girl, the, the lady had this t-shirt on for a few days, you know what I mean? And it was absolutely not the best smell. So we we get in the just near Glasgow, train station, I'm just going to the Steps Bar, which we used to go, a little old man's pub was brilliant, a bit of privacy. Um, and next minute, that Gaza just goes, just wait here. Fucking door flies open, red lights, out he goes, cross the road, where's he gone? There's a big uh, charity shop on the corner. Two minutes later, out he comes, holding the traffic up, stop, big blue and white, head to toe floral dress. 
he had a big, big dress on. And he had a couple of things to make his boobs hair. <laughs> He's walking about like a bird, like Danny LaRue used to. In you come in the car, back up to the pub, sat in the pub. He's there. Like, punters are walking in, looking over. Gazza's got a dress on, that's a typical Gazza. <laughs> sat there for a wee while, Gazza goes to Jimmy Firebell. He says, here. <coughs> Here's my card, or 100 quid, or whatever it was, 200 quid. Go get us a shirt um, round the corner. I think it was just a shirt, a manish shop round the corner, Italian centre. So, five belly come back with his shirt, honestly. I mean, Big Mark used to wear black and green and yellow shirts and that, but this shirt he bought Gaza. Gaza liked it. So he puts his shirt on, he fucking looked at a million, he thought he looked a million. People are now coming in. Whereas when he had his dress on, they're cooking on. <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck have you got on, Gaza? Anyway, so he sits there with his shirt. There's a wee boy comes in, paper bag, jacket up, um, selling evening times. So Gaza, he says, he says, right boys, tenner, ten. Tenner for a paper, buy a paper. David Robertson, just standing from Aberdeen, he puts 10p in. So Gaza shouts a wee boy over paper, here, gives a paper. I think he gave him 160 quid, 10 pence. So he got tenners from it. So he gives a wee boy, here, that's for the paper. Oh, yeah. So wee boy's like, brilliant, out he goes. So, Another hour goes on, a few more beers. Gaz is getting so much stick for his shirt. He says, yeah, give that fucking dress back. So he puts his dress back on. Next minute, boy comes back through the door. Wee guy's there. He went, oh, Gaza! And he stood at the door, wee guy. He's going, he says, see you then, Gaz. Yes, yeah. He says, do you know what? Your fucking shorts are even worse. And he zips his top down. He's got a Celtic top on. And the wee boy runs out and Gaza runs after him. And he's chasing down the main street and he's floral dress chasing the wee boy the wee boy hey, get it up yeah. Oh, so, but that's what he was guys he was the most kindest financial wise or anything wise he, he would give you anything you know what I mean and uh, it was a great character to play alongside but yeah they, they just and they're always usually heartwarming stories you could tell a lot more that where he's been really generous to people right. see on the pitch did you just want the ball to tell you yeah he did but I used to say it and listen let me do all the work back here and I'll get you the good players, the ball, and you do your stuff. But it was it wasn't like that. It wasn't a midfielder where he was just oh, he was a worker. Definitely. And you'd see him back smashing people, tackling, heading. He wanted to be the all-round, you know, midfielder. So he wanted luxury. You know, sometimes you get these number tens yeah. in midfielders that he wanted to work just like all the all the rest did, but he was it was a magician with the ball. Uh, and Brian Loudrop, was he I know you said about the goalie, but outfield player, Loudrop the best. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I, Listen, I remember Brian, for, I think second or third game, I was injured up in the club deck and playing Celtic, right in front of us, and he was going down the right wing. And I don't know if it was Tosh McKinley or if it was Tam Boyd, but it, Brian had overrun it a little bit and they were coming in. And, but Brian was still favourite to get it. And I think he saw, you know, let's say Boyd or Tosh coming in and he, he sort of pulled back and jumped out of it and bang. And I thought, so went down after the game, I think it was one each. I just pulled him aside. I said, listen, Brian, I know you're a great player. I said, but you can't do that in old firm games. Don't ever jump out of tackles and that, you know. He went, oh, but, you know, and then from then on, I never realised what a superb player I thought. We've got a foreign lad in, I don't think he fancies this. You don't know what it's like playing for Rangers. He went on to be not only a great, great player, but just a good person. Uh, but he did things in training that you would go, wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he used to make that. We used to think we had a good defence. And then he'd meg Goffey and put it round Bomber, and Bomber used to want it to be slicing him. And uh, well, he used to say, don't forget he's playing for us on Saturday. And, every, <laughs> and everyone would try to take him out. But his, 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 his ability and his balance was, was absolutely fantastic. And uh, yeah, he was, he, was, he was a top player. But again, 
Uh, not only a top player, he was he was a top lad. How he was a big quiet guy, wasn't he? How did he find somebody like Gascoigne? Was he? He well, must have been so. He was a quiet guy until he met Gorham's wine stash and that. But <laughs> yeah, unlikely uh, unlikely partnership him and Andy at times. To be honest, I think what, the, that, and up, I think the wives and girlfriends got quite uh, quite poly, uh, and the goalie introduced him to some uh, red wine. I think, but uh, no, I, I, I remember they used to go to uh, they went to. Uh, Monte Carlo for sometimes a close a mid-season break at times and I remember Walter coming in one day and it was me Bomber I can't remember if we did aren't they? and he says I'm so fucking pleased you three are injured and you can't come on this trip so I, I'm, I'm taking all these good professionals brilliant anyway <laughs> the day after it was filtering through me and Loudrup was walking around the corridor, no clothes, and didn't know where he was, absolutely stuttering about, <laughs> banging his head. Walter came back and says, listen, at least I knew what you three get up to. I didn't expect it Loudrup. Only in Scotland that can happen to top players, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it came to total, I think he left an alcoholic. Was it, uh, was it a big drinking culture back into uh, it, Listen, it was everywhere. It was, uh, just, I'm not no, just saying uh, Rangers. Just that uh, Everton, uh, Everton, gosh, when I joined Everton. Oh, they, some of the, I mean, big Norman White side, but Man United, they're the three, Brian Robson, big McGrath. Norman, McGrath, all, all absolutely best players. But some of the, the stories here, Peter Reid, Grimshaw, even Everton, it was, in them days, Arsenal lads, you know, you, you, you hear stories now, you couldn't get away with it nowadays, but it was, um, it was a huge, um, a huge culture, the old uh, drink, at the right times. Brilliant. Uh, right, getting the nine in a row, how vital were the signings of guys like Gascoigne and Loudrop? Because Seattle could start to get a better team as well. Were they so important yeah. to getting the nine? Yeah, they were, without a doubt. I, did uh, the standards raise again when they, they came? Yeah, I think they did. I think, I think for me, when I look back, the eight in a row, the 96 year, was massive because people don't, well, a lot of you, under Tommy Burns, Celtic lost one game that season. Yeah. He had the Canios and Toms and Van Hoydonks. Lost one game in that 36 game season or 38 game season, I can't remember. And we lost three. And it was a second last game when Gaza gets a hat trick against Aberdeen. But it just showed you how much we were being pushed by Celtic. And hence, I think that helped us go on in the cup final, beat Hearts 5 1, probably putting the best cup final performance for many a year because we've been pushed that far by Celtic. And Celtic were, were getting better as, as things were going on. But yeah, I think each season, you know, I think Walter always wanted to. I said marquee signing, we got Gazard in one year, then we got Loudrup in, or Alberts in, and then we went, um, the Italian lads come in, um, Big Amoruso and, and Negri and that, each season they try to make a marquee signings. Did you enjoy the old firm games or was it just too intense to no, actually enjoy? I, I, I loved them. I, 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 if I could have played uh, every game, an old firm game, yeah, it was one for me, never feared, just look forward to it. The biggest, biggest hardship was getting tickets, because I used to always... Durante, me and Durante was always vying. I used to always go in ticket office and I'd say, lead up to the games, I'd get really pally with Kalachenko and Kitsnetsov, guys, guys that won the year ticket, really pally with them and the big Petrich sort of giving them lift home and that and, and, and going out my way. And then it'd come up on a board and you're allowed 10 tickets. Durante goes, Kalachenko need 10. And I'd get out of ticket office early, I'd get about 30 or 40 tickets. Durante, I mean, <laughs> but um, yeah, so getting a ticket. No, I, I, listen, I was lucky as well. I think I played in twenty-five and only lost three. So I was fortunate to play in an era where we were reasonably successful. But no, for me, um, I just lo I loved them. I loved them. I never. I, I didn't get nervous. And obviously, you fear when you lose. Um, I, I remember a game, two games in the first season. I think it was first season. Celtic knocked us out of the cup. And that Saturday night, I'd all my family went to a Chinese restaurant. Um, up at Ricker Glen, went in, and 
so first time my family had been home, brother, sister, family and that, we're going nice Chinese. Should never go, book to go out after no food, yeah. getting right enough. Um, anyway, then the next minute, guy comes out, we owner comes out, goes in a cupboard, brings his ranger scarf out, throws it on the floor, starts standing it. Disgrace today, disgrace! <laughs> I like the family looking at me. I says, listen, listen, right, okay. I says, listen, we'll play him in 10 days time in the cup. I says, I promise you we'll beat him then. Right, we'll beat him then. He went, right, you promise, you beat him. You bring all the team in, free food, free drink that night. I says, right, you're on, brilliant, great. So the next day, going to training. I need to go get some petrol. So I'm filling up with petrol, go in. Two guys behind the thing, laughing, smirking. You know what I mean? So, oh, I'm surprised you can uh, afford petrol. You won't get any win bonus this week, you know. So the banner was always uh, like that, uh, wasn't uh, it? So I thought, fair enough. Anyway, 10 days on, thankfully managed to beat Celtic. We all went out in Glasgow that night for a bite to eat. I remember on Wednesday thinking, oh, I'm just going to ring the wee rook. Oh, can I speak to the manager? Oh, no, the manager's not in. He, he's gone away. He's gone away. <laughs> he was, he was better than all that. But the next day, I went down to the same garage. I took my car, I took my missus' car. I then went back for a valet. I went back to put my tyres up. The guy went, fair enough, but I won't give you any stick anymore. Uh-huh. But that's what it's like. You have Did a you bit enjoy of banter. that banter? Yeah. It's good, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Listen, it's, I know I'm getting Celtic supporters, obviously, and, and, and um, I'm probably with some ex-Celtic players, and that's, it's, not a, it's not a big deal for me. That. Um, and I think... As long as it's good-natured banter, if you get it. that banter, it's just when it goes over the top, it gets ridiculous. Definitely. Uh, you suffered a bad injury in 96. Did you know straight away that, you, that it'd be a bad one? Ah, oh, guess you always got a story, haven't you? But um, I'd, I'd my middle ling- ligament had been hanging by a thread for, for okay, like months. Every t- I couldn't strike the ball properly. Every time the ball came out from a corner, unless it was on a volley, I used to get it and pass it back to the corner, corner person. I used to get dogs abused, pan- fans, you know, when it's rolling out, shoot, well, shoot, yeah, and I couldn't, I couldn't hit it. I used to either pass it, so... Went to play Ajax, another, went to play Ajax away, Amsterdam Stadium, whatever it was. And uh, I'd been given a man-marking role, first time I'd ever given a man-marking role uh, on a midfield boy. Um, anyway, Gaza gets sent off 18 minutes in the game, hot red cards, we're down to 10 men. Next minute, I think it's De Boer or someone's coming through and pot shot in from 30 yards. Goffey's shouting at me, was it, I can't remember the midfield boy, anyway. He says, you've got to go close him down. Goalie's going mental. Close him down, you're the nearest player, but I'm marking this boy. Right, anyway, so I'm going out. So, sod's low, ball gets wide, cross comes in, the boy I'm supposed to mark in two goals. So, going at half time. And it's time now, the boy had landed on me, about 30 minutes at the game, he'd landed on my knee and it had just gone. I think it just, it torn, it'd gone. So, I come in and like that. I'm going to have to come off. Um, fucking big ice pack on my knee. And then uh, Walter says his thing and Archie goes, hi. He says, fucking one job we give you. Man marking job, first time, you can't even fucking do it. Well, that, I just, my head just went, because I'm thinking, I do not, I can't remember what his name, anyway, I put the ice up, I fucking slam the ice down, I get up to confront Archie, and Archie's having a go at me. And I'm saying, I only, I've only gone and been told, fucking, they're having pot shots from 30 yards, I've got to go close the ball. <laughs> just ironic that when it comes in. Anyway, um, and, and Gaza tells us afterwards that he was in the toilet and he's hearing, he heard the big fucking block of ice go and he thought Walter was coming for him because he's getting sent off and he's locked himself in the toilet, he's like that. <laughs> anyway, so the physio says, right, he says, right, you have to come off. I says, there's no way I'm coming off now. I couldn't come off. My, my, my knee was numb. I think it, it, it actually torn. And I limped about for 45 minutes saying because it's one of them, go out and show us that you've got a bit of balls and that. You can't come off. You, I, I can't come off. Physio says, you can't even, and, and I couldn't, I don't think I kicked the ball, but I made sure the boy that was supposed to be marking never got a kick. I just <laughs> followed him all over the park and <laughs> made sure I never got a kick. And 
Yeah, so that was that. that, was that. And See, playing that 45 minutes, did that make your injury worse? Cause you... Probably, probably. But it, it, it had gone completely Please. snapped. So then I went, and that was... Then I went got, uh, went down to London. The scan didn't think it was bad. Got, a, got it done, came back for three months, couldn't get it going. Flew to America, got a dead man's Achilles, in my, inserted in my knee, came back, swelled up again, went back, man, baba. 11 months to the day that I did it against Ajax, we played Celtic. Um, in a reserve game on a Saturday afternoon. It was the biggest crowd, it was probably the third biggest crowd in Britain that day. Uh, oh. And we had a quite strong team. And we get two so many first first team day, so Drew and all. I think we Sam and Donnelly scored right enough. But um yeah, so memory you've got by you. Yeah, you always remember the good things. Yeah. Mind you, the, in the injury weren't a good thing right enough. But yeah, no, it was uh, yeah, it was it, to be out that long, it was it, it, and obviously in the nine in a row season was was hard to Could you never I think the injury meant you didn't play enough games to get a medal. Was that good? Oh, one? no, I did. I did, I did. Right? Yeah, I didn't play enough games, you're right, but I got a medal. I, I played 14 games. I played the first 14 games and we'd won every one, but only seven league games. Seven cups and seven league games. Didn't win because we didn't win in Ajax. But, um, so after, obviously, when we were in there, I said to Wallace, I said, listen, he went, so he got me a medal. So I, oh, I got me a medal. But yeah, you, there were a thing in them days, you had to play so many games, didn't you, to, to merit... Um, you know, some percentage of how many games we've all got me a medal. So I did get a medal. So you just quickly on Gattuso? Yeah. Did you ever think he would go and have the career he did? Because I heard he couldn't pass the ball for you. Listen, I, I love Viri, you know, but he, he would, ooh, yeah, it was like a caveman one. He was just really intense. And to be fair, you had like Barry Ferguson, Derek McInnes, Charlie Miller, you know, sort of vying for a midfield role with him. And they technically, they looked to be a bit better. But you've got to remember, he was only 18, 19, I think, when he came in. But going back to that, you would never think he'd had the career he had. But you could certainly look at him and say he had the desire. That's what you're That's talking what about. Back again, to, eh? He had the desire to be a, to do what he's done in the game. And I, I've seen Reno a couple of times since. I'm so pleased that he went on to, to have a, have the career that he had. Yeah. So you just off script a minute when you mentioned the names that were young players coming through or centre midfielders. Yeah. Did, did you feel a bit wary of the, the kids coming to take your point? Um, probably at the time. But I, I, I'd like to think, and I think at least, I think Derek had said something. I'd try to help him. I, I did try to help them to a stage, and then if they start getting in team, I make sure I sorted them out. <laughs> I sorted them out in training, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I, I think yeah, it was a, it was a strong area. Um, Jonas Turner came, um, Fergie was still there. George Alberts could play in there. Then you had Fergie, Charlie, Derek. Um, yeah, so there was a lot of hot competition, competition in the middle yeah. part. Yeah, uh, right. How was it watching that, that famous night at Tannadice? Yeah, brilliant. Obviously, it was great, especially when Loudrup first time he'd headed the ball in his life. I think. <laughs> Great cross from Charlie, great goal, yeah, but it was good. And then obviously back. Um, but there is a part, yeah, as much as it's a fantastic achievement and everyone says you've played your part, you've been there for four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. When you've not been involved that much, you know, you don't feel as... But listen, lads and lads, Goffey was out injured that, that back end of that season. Um, I would have liked to have played a bigger part, but, you know, I, I managed to play... I always say them first seven games that we won, they were, they were the, the cornerstone. Yeah, <laughs> if we had to pick them wins up, we wouldn't have won it. Can you just remember how you celebrated nine in a row? Um, do you know what? I can't. To be fair, I played for Rangers for seven years, I can only remember two of them. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? But I can't, no. I, I remember going on the bus, coming back, because I, I think I got the car there, I got a lift there, and I jumped on the bus on the way back. Because you never know, there's never guarantees in football that that night's going to be the night. Yeah. So you Would Walter get emotional on nights like that now? Uh, yeah, yeah, he would. No, he would. I think they all would. Just have to listen. Obviously, Walter Archie, Dodgy was a great, 
what he did. He, he was he mixed in with the players and the management and that. So we had a good backroom team as well. And yeah, I, I think the end of it, you always end up um, you certainly celebrate well. Right, going for ten. What was the issue? Why didn't you get? It can, can boil down to a lot of things. I think, um, obviously, I don't think I had a big effect, but Brian did a pre-contract with Chelsea, so yeah. there was a lot of talk about that. Gaza left. Um, Walter came out and said he was going, but, but I don't think it had anything to do with that. I think, in, in, in honesty, we lost the second-last game of the season on McIlmarn, I think it was 1-0, and if we'd have won that, we could have still done it. So it wasn't anything that you look at. The whole the, season. Yeah, I think there was... We, we got went up to Aberdeen, got beat, I think, 1-0 with about four or five games to go, which was key. But then we lost the last home game against Kilmarnock, which was a boot. And uh, But I think you've got to give credit to the, the Celtic squad. I remember years gone by, seven, eight in a row, and we'd go out maybe on a Wednesday night up to Victoria's, and you could always guarantee Charlie Nick would be up in a piano bar at the top, you know, and it used to say, this is why we're not like you are, because you come out as a group, you come out as a team. In essence, if you think about it, you can only be seen out if you're doing well. Right. You know what I mean? You're not, you can't be sorting around the oh. pubs and clubs and that if you're, if you're struggling. Cause I'd, I'd, but I think Celtic then in that, in that year, I've got your stubs, Craig Burley's, I think Boyd was in there, um, other lads, and they started doing golf days. They said that in interviews oh, that we've done oh, that. Oh, you're right, right you're spotting it. But, I, but I, I remember one, one occasion around Christmas, we went into a pub. I can remember it. Pub that we used to go in, quite a little pub, it, well, it, just a, I can't remember it. And we were in there, and across and through the other side was the Celtic boys, and you'd never seen that. And there was probably a dozen of them in there, um, Jackie McNamara, people like them, but I think Burley and Stubbs in them. And they, now, I don't get, it's not a case you need to be an alky now go get on the piss to have a team spirit. I don't mean that for one just second. But you were there together. You weren't just going into training, finishing off. You were actually there and they were going to golf days, they were going to go-karting. You know, and as that 10 was, and when we were going for the 10, we'd lost a lot of the, the say the Scottish culture, if you like, um, of mixing and going out, yeah. you know, and, and it, we had a lot of the, as I said, I think we had four Italians in there, a couple of Scandinavians, um, now that's again not the reason why we didn't do ten. I'm not saying that whatsoever, but the, the sort of togetherness, and when you, when things are pressurised, when you need to have that togetherness, it sort of it, it wasn't there. But that's what Celtic then started getting, and I think that pushed them. If they they been and had that unity, they probably wouldn't have. Um, Did you notice that at the time, or is it only looking back now that no, you? I noticed that, that Christmas when we went there, you know, because you know, and uh, I just come back and, and we just go out for a bite. And listen, it was a bite to eat. It wasn't a piss up. We were a bite to eat yeah. and a, a couple of beers. It wasn't a, an all day session. But then across the way where you'd never, all oh, Celtic lads were out as well, and it was if and they were having a laugh and a joke and they were, you know, and, and I think that um, it says a lot. As again, I'm not saying you need to do it. It, it, it can be a golf day. It can be anything. It doesn't have to be an absolute piss up. And yeah. that. it's not that. It's just the fact that, and I think th their togetherness was stronger than that had been for a lot, a lot of years. Yeah. But then again, as I said to you, you can't, you can't be seen out and about when you're, you're losing titles and you, you, your rivals are, you know, winning the league by a dozen points or whatever. So you've got to be careful with that. But um, so that that season, I think there was a culmination of everything. Bottom line is we got so far. But we lost a couple of key games right at the end. Uh, is that the biggest cigarette of your career, not getting it in? Yeah, I think it's got to be. I think you always look back and say, as a manager, you certainly do pick certain games. Bradford, Millwall, playoff final a couple of years ago, or 
Um, Scotland, England, Wembley could we play that game again? But I think the Rangers Kilmarnock game, the last home game for a lot of players, that was the last home game for, for many of us. And to finish on such a flat, flat note uh, was disappointing. So, yeah, I think that would go down. But I've always, I've always said you can't be greedy. When I joined uh, just after doing three in a row, it wouldn't have even got that. Big Haley scored two goals against Aberdeen. We get to, to eight in a row where Celtic only lose one game that season. So as much, I, I don't really have regrets. If I could play a game again, it'd be the, it'd be the Kilmarnock game. But I can't regret not getting a 10 because I was so honoured and so proud and so privileged and so lucky that we were in a side that got nine. And that's still, still up there as a record. Okay. Leaving Rangers, a year left on your contract, 1998. Mm. Was Dick Advocat coming in one of the main reasons? Yeah, yeah. No, well, no, not so much that. Uh, to be honest, I, I had a chat with the, uh, the chairman. He, you know, Dick had wanted me, I had a year left. He wanted me to stay, he wanted to keep that little bit of... Um, Know, the experience that had been there and, and, and done it and seen Rangers through things. But I think with Walter going and Archie leaving, and obviously all the other lads, a lot of the lads, it was it was the end of an era. It was a, a team that had broken up. Um, I didn't get kicked out. In fact, you know, the, um, David Murray said to me, I think Hearts were interested in, I think the club wanted 250 grand. He said, but if I go down to England, because of the service I'd give you, I'll let you go on a free. If you stay in Scotland, I need money for you, I can't let you go and play for another club. So... That, that was that. But no, I think it was, uh, it, it was time for me to go. I remember the last game, obviously, we, we get beat by Hearts. And we, we, we have a uh, function at the end. And you can imagine, it's first season we've not won a trophy and things are a bit down. And then you start reminiscing, you go around tables and you well, let's all look at the things that we have won and what we have done. I remember me, Janant and Coyster going down to the dressing room for the last time. Because they, they'd finished. No, I don't think Janant and Coyster had certainly finished. And uh, having a look round... And I thought, I knew it was my, even though I had a year left, I knew this, this is it. I'd made my me, me mind up in my head. That was it. And uh, we all broke, broke down in tears. And it was, uh, this was early part at night. And I thought, do you know what? Fuck it. We've had the, we, we can look back and be proud of what's happened. Yeah, we're disappointed this season. Yeah, we did something. But let's have a look back. And, and we went back up and we went round everyone. We ended up having a, a sing song and a, a sort of a, a look back at what had been done and not that the failure that we'd just had. Did you get Durant into the sandbook, are you? No, <laughs> no, it's wise and don't we? <laughs> right, uh, since you've been inducted at the Rangers Hall of Fame, mm. well, how much does that mean to you? I think that my debut for Scotland against Argentina and that night inducting to Hall of Fame was probably my two proudest nights as a footballer, you know, with family life and that. They were probably two proudest nights. Um, you know, the, yeah, it was, you know, the names that are there and the, the people that are in it was, all my family were up. It was, a, yeah, it was just a, Obviously, Coyce to give me, give me, give me the award as well. Um, no, it was, uh, it was a special because you know, as I said, as a kid, I came to watch them. Uh, family had been brought up, I'd been brought up supporting them. Had all the scarves since 1972 and everything, and so actually go play for them and be successful with them, and then to be inducted in the Hall of Fame was yeah, probably the proudest uh, thing I've done as a footballer. What a career! Great with your link as well for the Scotland, Scotland part of the, the interview. Uh, what was your highlights looking back in your Scotland career? Uh, Italian 90, Euro 92, Euro 96, played in all three. Yeah, I get, I, I, that was a quiz question, which was, again, quite proud of. The only British player play in every minute of every game. So, well, yeah, I yeah, played in all three, 92, 90 and 96, which is, I think when they, they did it one time as a quiz, and people, I think, I guess Stuart Pearce or somebody else, but I was surprised myself. When they well, so you got thing. it wrong? Yeah, but I wasn't there. Somebody oh, told me it was a quiz question. <laughs> <laughs> thinking, which clown was that? Uh, <laughs> but no, I, I think, listen, I think the biggest... My debut. I mean, to play the to play at Hamden in front of a full house 
against the world champions. Um, oh, your and, family there. And beat them. Yeah. And I actually set it up. There was four debutants that night. Flecky, Craig Levine, Stuart McKimmy and myself. And I laid it for Stuart McKimmy and he slashed it in the bottom corner. I remember uh, Maradona, he'd... Uh, he didn't turn up. He says, I've heard the boy McCall's making his debut. I'm not going to come. <laughs> that's, that's what I told myself anyway. But um, so, yeah, so that night, it, it, to make your debut against... So then, but the only thing is, then the Titan Army think, well, you can beat the world champions. We're going to Italy. We're going to win the World Cup. So, but yeah, playing in the World Cup, obviously managed to score against Sweden. We had the biggest disappointment getting beat by Costa Coffee, Costa Rica, <laughs> 1-0. And then going four days later, playing in the European game, Scotland, Sweden. They had all the pretty boys in the tunnel. We had the ugliest tunnel, the ugliest team. In fact, that was probably one of the better looking ones in that team. <laughs> teeth out. Jim Layton had his teeth out. Thinking, big heck with his freckle and his mop of ginger hair. And we're all... We fleck his teeth out. And it, again, that, that was probably one of the fewest games, all the games I played. That, I think that was one in the tunnel. Big... Glenn Hussein, Liverpool, big immaculate model. Didn't want to look at we flecky fleckies like that. He just played in Norwich Liverpool not long before in the league game. Um, but... Managed to score in that. It was always deadly from a yard. Honestly, give me anything from a yard out. And then I, pl- I played 40 times for Scotland, only scored once. But as I tell my kids, it's true. If you score a World Cup, you don't want to bother scoring so, qualifying God. games and all that nonsense. So you, uh, you never got to another World Cup, so I thought, nah, I'm not scoring that. So you, the three teams, what was the, what was the best squad? Oh, gosh, it mixed about. I mean, to be fair, in 90, we, we, we got beat by Brazil in the last game. Eight minutes to go, I think Kareka shot. Big Jim sort of parried it out and the boy Muller had just come on a sub managed to score and then we even went out on the away not away goals goal difference because another group could have won it so we, we managed to come back with a bit of pride after getting beat Costa Rica so the 90 team was alright the World Cup was actually okay the 92 year we got beat by Holland 1-0 who had Van Basten Hullet you know the top side then Rijkaard um, and Bergkamp them four got the goal then we played Germany who beat us 2-0 and then we beat the CIS 3-0. So we actually came back on the back of a good result. Oh, you know, we won. And the, the, the actual homecoming was not bad because we'd done okay. And even in 96, you know, the, the uh, Holland game, 0-0 at Villa Park, go to Wembley. Obviously, everyone says, oh, Gary Mack missed the penalty. It's, it's a great save by Seaman. You know what I mean? He puts it up there, he, he gets him across. He don't, that could have been a different game. And then we go beat Switzerland in the last game. You know, again, so we... Them three games, in each tournament, it wasn't as though we came home like national disgraces. We'd won a game at each tournament, and nearly but not quite again. If That's the old story, isn't it? England beat Holland uh, 4-1, and it, they were winning 4-0. And if they'd won 4-0, we'd have gone through yeah. a goal difference. And the boy, was it? I can't remember who went through, and uh, put it through Seaman's legs. And, yeah, 4-1. Um, See, so when you played England, was you and Gas kind of giving each other a bit? No. Again, Darren Jackson played with Gazza at Newcastle. Obviously, obviously Gazza was at our team, uh, at Rangers at the time. I, I, I went one of them. Before the game, I went on a pitch, never spoke to anyone. I just focused on doing everyone's like high-fiving and speaking, which is, which is natural. You, you see your mates. I just focused on the game. Anyway, coming off at half-time, going down at Wembley, and you go into concrete. Next minute, I, these, I thought there were a bit of trouble. I turned around, and Gazza's running off the park. Bear in mind, it was nil-nil. And when the, final, the half-time whistle went, the crowd went, because mm, we'd done okay, Scotland. They want a great game. Gazza takes his top off and gives it to me. He goes into the dressing room. So I take me, his top, he'd give me half-time, put it in my bag, come out. Because that night, the night before, I'd mentioned on a 
in the sports show that um, my daughter, who was born in England, but she was obviously supporting the dad Scotland, but a Rangers supporter, wanted it to be three all gather and her old man to get a hat trick. Now, <laughs> at that time, she wasn't on drugs. drugs or glue <laughs> or drink or anything, but see, Gaza getting a hat trick, her old man, and remember I could get three tackles, that'd be it. But he'd seen it. And because I said that, I'd said, and she'd asked me for his, no, I didn't even think, I, I asked him for his shirt. I didn't ask him for his shirt, but I said, oh, Gaza, like, you know. Anyway, so he'd actually give me a shirt. End of game, comes, Gaza scores the unbelievable goal. But that is another story. Gary Max taking a penalty, the side of the, the technical area, Teddy Venables, Gaza's number's up to come off. Not a lot many people know this. The board at the side, his number's up. If we scored a penalty, Gaza's coming off. Penalty goes in, corner, bang, clear it. Gaza scores a goal of the tournament, an unbelievable goal that only an unbelievable player could score. And then after the game, he swaps jerseys with Coyster. So we're going back up to, uh, up to our thing in, in, in the Midlands. And we're sat in the back of the bus, and if that had we done that, we'd done this. Coyster gets it, says, ah, At least I got Gaza's shirt. I says, How can you take somebody's shirt who scored a goal? Who's actually knocked <laughs> us out of How can That's an absolute disgrace. I'm really laying into it. Lads are looking at him. He's going, Coyster's all jealous because you didn't get it. I went, I didn't get it. I says, I've got the fucking shirt he started with, and he didn't fucking score against us. <laughs> that was it, you know what I mean? So, Amazing. but no, he, he, so I did, I'm back. But he was, and I'll be honest, if it had been, if the shoe had been on the other foot, See, when he come in for pre-season, we won it. But he didn't even say anything. He was really humble. You know, he, you know, didn't mention his goal or his celebrations. He was quite humble like that. Yeah. Whereas if it, we, me, McCoy, so then we'd have absolutely laid into him. But no, he was, he was that's the type of person he was. But he was, uh, so no, I never really had any um, thing against him on the part. Only thing I want to ask you club-wise, after Rangers, you know what it's going to be. Falling off the motor at Bradford. Was that it was old Sambuca trick? No, it wasn't me, it was my twin brother Steve. <laughs> oh, can I? But, uh, well, I've got it again. You said you wanted to play for Bradford in the Premier League and you eventually done it. So we go to Wolves, half past one kickoff on a Sunday. Um, need to win with um, 3 1, 3, maybe Peter Beagle Anyway, with 3 2, a few minutes to go, Boy Simpson gets it over the wall, hits inside the post. See, we need that little bit of luck, goes into the goalie's hands, we get through. So after the game, Wolves were one of these clubs that still had their little single baths. So there were about six single baths, showers, and the old ones, me, Windass, Peter Beagre, Gary Walsh, John Dreyer, all sat in these single baths, reminiscing, bubble baths, just looking. Young lads want to shower quickly out and get a few beers or whatever. We're just at Wolves. And see, when you... We must have had a bottle... I must have had a bottle of champagne, you know, just... And you know this story, if you don't eat after and you drink on yeah. an empty head. So we get on a bus, two hours back up to Bradford, a few beers... And I was actually on a minibus for about 20 minutes and we're all, because we're in this car park and it, the fans are all just round and they can't see you, so you're up and everybody's the same. And just at the second, this guy, guy decides to get his camera out. I get on this motor, my twin brother gets on this motor. <laughs> and it, honestly, obviously they had a couple of shandies. But my trainer gets lodged under the windscreen wiper and this is gospel, <laughs> honestly. People, and I, thankfully I've got one clip of it. My trainer gets lodged on the windscreen wiper and I go, bang, <laughs> bang, and then jump up and I never spill a drop. So, but, you know, people go, you know, I say, honestly, and I fucking windscreen. And, uh, you know, the funny thing is, the club got um, got a bill for 360 quid for a dented roof. The motor, didn't <laughs> <it>? <laughs> yeah. I didn't pay it, that's for sure. Have you had to limit that for since then? Well, it, it, it's from because I'd say that was about eight o'clock. But see, when it got to midnight, I don't know, you see that saying, you see, you drink yourself sober. I was the only place to let at one o'clock at celebrating with all the fans and the families and everything. And the next morning, we've got a um, uh, open 
top bus around Bradford, you know. So I'm, I'm there getting ready in the morning. Dog goes, boy, you saw get Sky Sports on. No, he says, um, how are you? Okay, I says, I great. He says, oh yeah, get they've got you falling off the motor. And I honestly hand him, I says, what motor? Who fell off a motor? I'm like, out my neck's like that. I says, who fell off a motor? <laughs> is that how I got that? I know they put Sky Sports on, there it is, yeah, this yeah. clown falling. But, um, yeah, so the, the advice is don't drink on an empty head. There you go, brilliant. <laughs> uh, right, on to the old management. Motherwell job. How did yeah. it come about? Uh, listen, I just I just got a phone call. Um, I got um, a couple of dodgy agents working up here for me in Scotland. <laughs> um, and they got in touch. Oh, I know the very man I had. Yes, very dodgy. <laughs> but I got, uh, I got a phone call. She said, would you, would you fancy... Um, was it the Aberdeen job? The Aberdeen job. Um, Aberdeen job came up. Would you? I went. No, no. I don't think um, being an ex-Rangers player going to Aberdeen would. Uh, so I says no. I don't think Aberdeen. Right. Okay. Then uh, what about the under twenty ones? Scotland under twenty ones. I says well, that might I might go because you know might because Billy Stark could have been going to Aberdeen because Aberdeen had lost the manager. Anyway, so Billy Stark didn't. Then Craig and Archie left Motherwell, go to Aberdeen. He says, what about Motherwell? He says, the, the, the speech is 16th of December. I says, well, do you know something? I've never had an interview in my life. I'm actually coming up with Christmas presents on the 16th from England to deliver. I says, I'll call in and have the interview. So I come up um, and, and meet John Boyle and Leanne um, in the office, just in Glasgow. Just don't bring any, not a, you know, all the boards and the, you know, all that stuff. Just chat, chat. 16th of December, right, brilliant. So go back to England. They play their hearts, they get beat. 26th, they're playing Rangers, they've not heard for 10 days, and they're playing Rangers at Boxing Day. And uh, Rangers beat them 2-1, I think, at, uh, at Fir Park. Oh, well, you know, and that's it. Anyway, I got a call the next day, would you want to come up? Oh, would you want to do a conference call? Conference call, link, link. I said, no, listen, I'll drive up and speak to them, but I don't want to do a conference call. If they want to see me, I'll see me, it's great. So I came up, and I think it was the 28th, 29th, and uh, met at uh, Dale Park, somewhere on there, met at a uh, hotel, and they offered me the job. And then the same night, they were playing Celtic. And I went to Celtic Park, Celtic scored after three minutes. I think, oh, this is going to be a lot. They only won one nil Celtic. Well, they were actually okay. And I got offered the job there. Um, and, yeah, we went on to have, you know, brilliant success. And it was, you know, it was a, a really special, special time in management, you know, getting first time we got a Scottish Cup final in 20-odd years, and then... You know, finishing the best of the rest for three years on top, with you know a budget, one even a top six budget. Uh, you know, did you take that straight away, or did it take you a while? Eh? No, we, well, we got in there. Me and Kenny, I brought. I didn't know Kenny Black, so I met Kenny after a month in. Brought Kenny up with us to the end of the season, see how we work, and it, it, it just clicked. They had a good group, good professional. I always say you, you, you football clubs as good as your senior professionals. We had Stephen Craig and Lasley Hamill at the time, Big Sutton. You know, we had some really good pros in that dressing room. And um, and good young players as well, your Murphys and your Sean Hutchinsons and the likes of that. And then we added, but so the first season we get the Scottish Cup, we finish. The 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 the, um, the remit when I took the job was to try to finish in the top six and sell a player each season. So I think we we just managed to you know we finished second, second and third, um, which was. You know, incredible. So how, how do you do that with that budget? As you say, how do you finish second, second, and third with that? It's just I don't know. It's just getting that team spirit, having that team, and having that little. So bit did of you love. encourage team days out and stuff like that? We just do. Stuff? Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, I, th- I think you, you let, the, let the dressing room run themselves, but just have, create. A, I think for the moment you create an environment that the players, not only the players, but the staff, want to come into train every day. Yeah. Even if it's peeing it down, cold, if they want to come in, learn, improve, and ultimately succeed, that's what we're after. And I think you've got to create an environment in that training. You're learning, but you're enjoying it. You know what I mean? You're learning things, but you're actually having a bit of fun when you're doing it, and you're working hard, and you're improving, and then you get results, and then you're fortunate that, like in anything, we can almost name the similar 11, 12, 13 each week, you know what I mean? Because we're lucky with injuries. And you then you get a consistency selection, consistency in results, and you just build from there, and you get a top six, which you manage, get a cup final, and the next year, we just we just got it going. And, um, yeah, it was, you know... It, and I think somebody's the most successful Motherwell manager for many a year, like win ratio and all that. So, you know, I look back and I think, just sort of lucky to get that opportunity. And, you know, it was brilliant. Is the hardest part when you lose a, what, your best player of the year? Yeah, of course. Well, the, second, the third season we were there, we lost seven stars. We brought Michael Higdon in from St Mirren. We sold him for 300. Oh, we didn't actually. His contract was up. He won the Golden Boot. There's no player outside the old firms won the golden boot for, for years, you know, and he celebrated that night. I think he ended up getting arrested. So do we do we do we advocate culture? Yeah, drinking culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did you celebrate? Well, I had, I had 12 hours in a cell. But um, so that and and then but the, we we lost Higden, we lost the Yama, we lost Murphy, we lost Law to the Angels, we lost we lost Randolph, the keeper, we lost seven of starters. And then the next season, people were saying, listen, you can't go anymore. You can't do anymore. You've got to get out and, you know, try it. I support Sheffield United. Could have gone to Sheffield United. I just felt a bit of loyalty to Motherwell because they'd give me the chance. And uh, we tried to build a new team. And the new team wasn't good as the first team. But it ended up, we won more points. We won 70 points after getting 63 the year before. So that, that season when um, Reedy... Um, I know Reedy. Uh, Reedy. He was on a pound a week. Pound a week. Because... But he also... He, because we took him in January, we couldn't give him, he had no money for a contract, you have to give him something, give him a pound, he got, I think, 200 expenses, 200 day appearance, and if they won, 200 a pound, so we're getting 800 quid if we were in the team. We never thought really he'd get near the team, but he was a good squad player. Yeah. But he actually was great, his attitude. Got yeah, got in there, midfield, centre midfield, right back, whatever. Yeah. He just really good, do a job, take somebody out. And, and for him to score the goal at Aberdeen with almost the last kick of the game, earning a pound a week, just sort of summed up that collective... And it was, you know, that was probably, I mean, I've been a lot fortunate to have a lot of good coach trips back home from yeah, Jack Leach told us But that, that was probably the best, the best trip. And then the lads went to the player of the year that night and the staff went to Magaluf for three days at the after and three of the boys flew out to join us and it was, it was just, it was, yeah, it was, it was incredible. And in fairness, I probably should have gone then. We couldn't have done any more. But the thing that back in my mind that was pushing me on, we need to do better in a cup. We'd seen some of the other sides, you know, submitting that, um, other sides win the cup. I thought we, we can have one more crack at the cup. We, start, we didn't start off great, a few key injuries. Um, and I just felt at the time it was time to come out and give someone else a chance. I think when you've been there so long, the players get used to the voice. I think three, four and a half years, I think, was there. And uh, you can outstay your welcome. So I think I went at the right time. The big question every mother of fan wants to know is, did you ever go to the Megabar? Yes. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. <laughs> I went to the electric bar. A little fun. Yeah, I went to the electric bar a couple of times after. I think we beat St John's in the semi-final three now, and uh, some of the staff took me down there. So um, great times. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't make the mega bar. No, but uh, my, my lad did. We used to play for mother, so he won me out of it. it. Great place. <laughs> uh, right, taking over the Rangers. When did you get the phone call? Who, who phoned you up? Um, 
Yeah, listen, I, I got, I got, I got a call. Again. No, I got a call <laughs> right out of the blue um, from uh, John Gilligan, actually. And I went and met him in a hotel in Glasgow one afternoon. And I'm for half an hour. And he just says, listen, we need, we need some help. Um, and it was, and it, listen, obviously, Coyce had been there under a, a really tough regime, you know, what he was working under and what the, the Kenny took over, didn't want to be there, you know what I mean? He would Kenny want, McDowell, yeah, uh, he would yeah. want it to leave. And Kenny left and uh, I think it was three months left at season. Um, so did I, for one sec, there's some, I think somebody mentioned one stage a mother spot or, or he left Motherwell because he knew he was going to Rangers. That couldn't have been the furthest thing from the truth because I would never have gone back to Rangers if it had been under the old regime. Um, but it was fresh board, new people. I met John, um, coming to the end of the season, see if he can help us out. And that, you know, so there was no debate. I didn't even talk money or anything. Um, go home, think about it. Well, I, now, I didn't know if he was speaking to three or four players, uh, managers. managers yeah. So I, I left at, I don't know, three o'clock that afternoon. And at six o'clock, I got a call and said, can you come in tomorrow and take the training? So I was on the phone to Kenny Black. Kenny Black drove up, bang, and we took the training the next day. So, yeah, it was a whirlwind. But I've got to say, I went in the club, and I think I've been in the game, what am I now, 44, no, 54. Uh, been in the game 30, 30, whatever years it is. And I've never known a club as morale, as low, um, an atmosphere. You know, from, from people that work there, Jimmy Bell, um, from a couple of the staff in the kitchen, people walking down, and that, that's what had happened. Rangers are just, I think the players, you know, the, the, the animosity they had from the supporters had almost, you know, it was a horrendous season, everything off the park, things that were going on behind the scenes. It was just, it was the environment. And I think, that's what I said to the staff, the key is, you've got to get the best out you've got. There's no transfer window. We've got these players, you've got to get the best out. The low in confidence, the morale's at the bottom, the supporters aren't really, they're behind the club, but not really behind the players. We've got to do something to change it. So we went out there and we smashed Livingston one all. And then the next game we went out and we battered Alloa two all. And we've made a really good start. I think against Alloa they had two shots and two goals. We had 36 shots and scored twice. So we hadn't really got the bounce we wanted when we got 25, 28,000 there. So we go to Hibs on the, on the Sunday and we look at what we've got. And, you know, we Zaliukas at the back, big Mojne and, and uh, big Jig, big Lee McCulloch. And although they've all been really good players, not of them had a lot of pace. So we decided to go back three. Um, bearing in mind the three games Hibs had played Rangers, that's it. Hibs were 9-1 up. Hibs had beat Rangers three games, 9-1 in that, them games. Played Waldo, left wing back, McGregor right wing back, 5-3-2. We won 2-0. And that sort of changed the whole... The, the fans then started getting behind the players and having belief in it. That result, you talk about results that can change things. That result changed a lot. Then we had a really good run. I think in the league, in the games that we had, we lost, we lost it to Queen of South 3-0. And that was the only game we got beat in the league. We beat Hearts at home. Hearts were the champions. We gave them a, clapped them on. And then we beat them 2-1. We did got sent off with half an hour, uh, 45 minutes to go. Um, and, we, and then to go into the playoffs, people were even thinking you won't even get by Queen of South. Because we were playing little Murdoch, you know, young kid. Tom Andy Walsh, Murdoch, yeah. yeah Andy Tom Murdoch, Walsh, yeah. Which... He, he was probably our most consistent player. I was really disappointed the year after um, that 
they brought a couple of loans in because I thought Andy Murdoch could have been one that could have been given a chance because he was terrific. Tom Walsh, he had a lot of injuries. Probably the best two-footed player I've, I've coached as a kid. Left foot and right foot. Ryan Hardy up top. So we're playing young ones, but we were trying to get the best out of what we had. Um, and then we go to Queen, Queen of South, we win 2-1. Um, drawn with it at home. But then you look and you're going out and it's Ibrox is full again. And the atmosphere. So that, that was the key for me, was changing the actual mindset of people and getting results. But you can only do that with results. But you've got to try to give confidence to the players. And, and, we, we, and then we get hearts. Hibs, should I say. Hibs have had these 10 days off. They're away in La Manga or whatever it is. Celebrate, you know, not celebrating, relaxing, preparing. And uh, again, the, the atmosphere against Hibs. We beat them 2-0. Kenny Miller got a great goal. I think Vukic scored. We got to Easter Road, just need a, you know, not to get beat by more than that. I think they scored late on in injury time, 1 0, and we threw then to the playoff final, yeah. which was from where we were to there was, was brilliant. And then, you know, I loved every second of that. So you just going back to when you first went in? Yeah. Did you speak to Ali McCoy before you took over? Do you know, I didn't, I didn't speak to Coyce. So I spoke to him a lot when he was in the job because I did a lot of work for BT. But then Coyce had gone out, and, and, and as I said, when I, when I went in, I got the. I met uh, John at oh, two o'clock in the afternoon, and at six o'clock that night I got off the job, job, so I was straight in. But I remember being in the office <laughs> the first morning, and someone says, "There's a call for you." Big office phone, big chip. Hello, it's Walter. Do you fucking know what you've let yourself in for? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, yeah. cheers, Gaffer. Thanks for that. He says, "Do you fucking know what you let?" I says, "Definitely." He says, "No, listen, you've got to have a crack at it, and you know, give me a bit of advice on certain things." Um, and again, it, for me, it was it was trying to change the the mindset. Okay. It had been so the 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 players had been you know booted everywhere and and not performed like they should maybe. And the, the staff, the morale of the whole club, the supporters, everything was down. So it was good to sort of turn that around. And then uh, you know we, we we had some. I still look back on beating Hearts at home. You know, going away at Hearts, drawing whatever, beating Hibs. Still some good moments. Did you still get the buzz of managing Rangers when the other Rangers that you remember? You can when you get back on the touchline and it's you've then it's back to the you've, you've full house because we went in at 28,000 I think and then for the last the playoff games the games just at the end hearts I think 40 odd thousand when you get that and everyone's behind you there's no better place to play uh-huh. uh, and then obviously you get Motherwell you couldn't write it could you? Oh, I, I, I had the chance when I was out of work to go to another club in Premier League in Scotland and I, and I, and I, and I turned it down because I didn't want because they were, they were near the lower ends of the division. I didn't want to go in and be up against Motherwell. And obviously I wanted to succeed and that didn't mean putting Motherwell down. So as, as the season was going on, obviously we were trying to get into the playoffs range we were going to try to do there. There were never any gimmies or guarantees. And Motherwell were... So worst case scenario, obviously, they finish 11th and whoever gets through. Um, so we managed to beat Hibs and we, we get Motherwell. And I think the thing going into the game, I knew all the players, obviously, Motherwell. I think the two things, Motherwell didn't have a good record at Ibrox. In fact, they had a pretty poor record at Ibrox. And the, the mentality, Stevie Hamill had been there a lot and got beat. Keith Lasley had been there and got beat. A lot of the players had been to Ibrox and, and not had any success. And also, that season, Motherwell's away form was terrible. So the first games at Ibrox, full house, it was so important. Stress to the lads, listen, it's a two-leg, but if we get the first goal... I think for the first 28 minutes, 30 minutes, for probably first 35 minutes, I think Motherwell were in our penalty box once. So, but Rangers, we didn't have great chances. Nicolau had a chance. We were controlling the game and it, the game was going okay. And then in football, it changes. Leo win. Boyard give his debut to, goes down the right hand side, cuts in. Shot. Cammy Bell 
with actually throwing his cap on it. Deflects off, I think it might be McGregor, and loops in over his shoulder. So you're 1-0 down after controlling the game. And from Motherwell's game plan would have been keep the crowd quiet, get the first goal. So. From our first goal is get the first goal and they'll crumble because, you know, their away record's not great. But Scott McDonald, they had experience, Mick McManus, Big Steve, they had a lot of experience yeah. in the side, Pierce, they had they had a good side, Motherwell. And then just before half-time, free kick, Big McManus, who I brought to the club, header, set play, didn't jump with him. So you come in at half-time, 2-0, bang, bang. Right, let's go out, get the next goal, we can still win this. Three minutes in, Lionel Ainsworth, who had brought the free transfer from Lower England, comes up, scores a worldie, 3-0 down, and you're thinking, in that space of 20 minutes, all the work that had been done had been all unravelled. We get a goal just before the end, 3-1. We go to Fir Park, imperative there, you've got to get first goal. You know? Did you think you could still do it going to Fir Park? I thought, again, it... it just you can put a bit of players that's hard there. Yeah, yeah, they're going to sit in. They did decide they were a nothing game. It's nil nil at half time. We've got, we brought Boydie back and we've got Boydie and Kenny up front. You think with the goals and if we can create opportunities because we needed goals, we had to play an attack inside. And, um, but we didn't look like scoring. And obviously, they get a goal. Cammy, you know, loses his balance and falls into the goal and they get the goal. And from then on, it's, it's, but in, in fairness, Motherwell were quite comfortable. I can't blame. Come out for, for the goal, although obviously in there he's just stumbled. But I, I, if I'm honest, I, I didn't see us getting back into the game. We didn't, we didn't create anything. And um, I think Motherwell, when you actually looked at the team and the experience they had, once they took that lead into the second leg, so it was going to be they tough. had enough experience to sit in, camp in, and just, you know, play like that. Uh, right, big Moshney. Was he a man? I played against him at Southend, and people that I've, I've spoke to said, during the week, lovely yeah. guy, just loses his head. On a, on a football pitch. Yeah. What, what do you remember of that incident? Uh, well, uh, listen, I had a thing, loads of things going through my mind after the game, obviously the disappointment. Uh, and um, I got asked, you know, what, what did I think of the, you know, the Mosley incident? I said, listen, I didn't see it. And obviously then, five minutes later or later on in the pitch, you see me trying to pull Mosley away. What I said, I didn't see the initial incident. You know, I'm shaking hands with the Motherwell people, turning round, next minute there's a big kerfuffle, I was running around, so I run on and try to pull Big Billy away from what he was doing. But I, 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 I looked in it because I, I didn't see it. You know, I, I was playing the arse and finger card, right, yeah, yeah. but I actually went, I didn't see the initial thing. I just rung on the end when he was like swelling and failing everybody. Um, and he come and he sat in the dressing room and he, he was, you know, I, listen, it wasn't about him, it was about us as a group because, you know, we've, we've just, you know, failed at what we were trying to do. Anyway, cut long story short, it goes out and we get on the bus and a bit more, a bit more carry on. But listen, as a, as a, as a person, I loved him. I, he'd give all his training. He, we'd have him have to change training a couple of times for him because he, he had to go to prayers certain times, you know, um, certain times a day and that like that. But, uh, but you always knew there was, was a, a there was a switch on him. Yeah, you always knew. But he was. Uh, uh, he was he, he, he was good. He was he, as in his training. He, he never gives a minute's place. And he, yeah, we used to have a good little bit of banter about him. He had a you know had a funny side to him. Uh-huh. Uh, would you like to stay on it, Rangers? No, of course. Not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, I, I, th- I think whoever was getting a job at the end of the season, it was a blank blank slate because there were twelve of the lads were up, and I think, I think out of them, it was only Kenny that got kept on. You know, out the pit, lads that were out. There were some big hitters, and there was some, so there, you were you were taking a lot of. There was a lot of money going to be freed up, and it was a blank slate. Had you had ideas of what you would have done? Yeah, I think I think so. I think when you look at it, obviously, big jig left, Billy left, um, Zalukas left. You know, a central defence was was going to be a key area in the park. 
Um, but I still believed, depending on how much money was going to be there, you had somebody like Tom Walsh, you had Little Murdoch, you had Ryan Hardy, not as stars, but you had a little nucleus of younger ones who could come through and be ranging for them and, and, be, and be players, allied to some, some other players. But yeah, yeah, you always had an, an idea. I think we certainly needed to strengthen defensively. Um, and then and then work around. You still had some, you know. You, you had Lee Wallace and, and Kenny Miller in there who were in your well, but you needed some some experienced players. Um, there were some that were put to me that I would love to come because it's Rangers. You know, you, you see it now. Stephen Davis coming up to me. There were players who would would wanted to come and and, and played. Um, so yeah, and I also thought, listen, at, at, at the end of it, it was always going to be a new, a fresh start. You know, so they needed a fresh manager. And did you did you try and fight for the job, or were you just told no, that? No, listen, I had an interview. I think it was the day after the, the playoffs, and you know it was one of them. But I think as things transpired, um, it, it was boiling down. Funny enough, and again, Gordon Strachan. When I got the Rangers job, I rung him up, and he was he was on the golf course in Lamanga, and he he'd had three missed calls, and he says, "Listen, I take it you've been." He says, three missed calls for you to call me. I take it you've been offered the Rangers job." I says, "After I have," he says, "Well, listen." He says, what is it, 10 to the season? He says, yeah. He says, well, I hope you're successful and you get it. He says, but... I said, between now and then, we've got Northern Ireland in a friendly and Gibraltar in a qualifier. He says, I'm sure me and Mark can get us through that. He says, so at the end of the season, if Rangers, you know, it doesn't come about, you can come back to the national side, which is, Brilliant. you know, it's fair enough. Isn't it? You know, you're thinking, well, I'm actually leaving. You've given me a role in Scotland. I'm leaving to take Rangers. And you're saying there's a place for me. So as it transpires, the end of the season comes... Um, the contract finished at Rangers, but they were still in negotiation. They spoke to a couple of people, um, and then as it happened, Scotland before the Ireland game over in Ireland in, in June was staying at my hall, and Dave King were there, so I had a meeting, and I was meeting. God knew about it. I had yeah, a, meet, yeah. a meeting with Dave King. What needed doing? What needed changing at Rangers? In my opinion, if I was going to come out, what players you would bring in? What was the budget? Blah blah blah. So a big discussion there, and it went on and on, and there was there was rumours that. <clears throat> Mark Warburton was the favourite. Was possibly there was all, all stories that Dick Advocat was going to leave Sunderland. Dice was going to go to Sunderland. Warburton was going to go to Burnley, and that's the role was still there. Yeah. So you're actually thinking there still could be this small chance. <laughs> yeah. Didn't expect it, but there's still a chance. Anyway, Dick decides to stay at Sunderland. So Dice stays at Burnley. I think Mark had spoke to Sheffield Wednesday in Leeds. So there were, there were rumour that he still wanted to stay in England. But obviously, Davey Weir talked him, come play Rangers, yeah. up Rangers. And then it was funny, because I remember going home a couple of months after it, and my missus went, what about that wee dick? I says, what wee dick? He says, that wee dick at Sunderland. I says, who? A dick advocate. He's gone and chucked it two months in a job. Why didn't he chuck it in the summer? He chucks it in the summer, you might have had a chance to still be there. I went, all right, fair play. But no, that's just a little things. But listen, after what had happened in the playoffs, I, I, I couldn't expect it. But I, I look back, and I, I look back on my, my three months, myself and Kenny and that, with a bit of pride, because we turned it round. We got a little bit of belief. We got the crowds coming back. And, you know, but for... You know, I say the 20-minute spell against Motherwell at, at Ibrox. Um, you always look back in defining moments in your career, uh, be as a player. But I've been so fortunate as a player for yeah. limited ability to, to play the clubs I had. Um, and then, you know, you always need a little bit of luck in life. And unfortunately, that, that's against Motherwell. But on the flip side, Motherwell stay up and, you know, you see the lads afterwards and, and know what it meant to them because... There was a lot of people, staff would have lost their jobs if Motherwell had got and relegated. The union as well, yeah. yeah, a lot of good people. Motherwell were a tight-knit community, tight-knit club. 
Um, but a great little club, fantastic club. And uh, I like working for the people that were there. But they had also had a good, uh, a good group of players. Went to Bradford, done really well. Just left Scunthorpe now, looking to get back in it. Um, yeah, but not, not straight away. Not straight away. It's a, it's a hard gig, management. I've got to say it now. Because it, it can be. Sunday's the longest day in the world when you lose. But when you win, you work all week. I, I just enjoy working with players. So I'd like to go out on a, a Monday, Monday to Friday, whatever it is, and, and work with players and try to help them, improve them, put plans in there, formations and all together. And on a Saturday when it comes together, no better feeling. Um, when you lose, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a long weekend. But um, no, I've still got the... But it, you just know it's a short-term job now. Management, there's no longevity unless you're Guardiola or someone like that. Right. Sure, it's been an absolute pleasure. Brilliant. Well, thanks very much. Thanks. Mate. We'll Cheers. do it again next week. Definitely. All right. <laughs>catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me Kiki palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.